Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The ensuing show will change, transform, and otherwise alter you. Good luck. Greetings, constant listeners. It's Gen 2, The Rage Adams. Today we're unlocking an older Patreon-exclusive episode from the Dairy Private Library. This one dates back to last May and finds the losers celebrating the 25th anniversary of Michael Jackson's Ghosts, which was written by Mick Garris, Stan Winston, and two kings, Stephen King and the King of Pop. It's a pretty in-depth conversation, not only on the short film, but the state of horror in the mid-90s and the two masters of their genre. And look, if you enjoy this episode, you can get even more Left of the Dial deep dives by joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thebarons. There you can find hours and hours of exclusive content we haven't unlocked. For now, though, get on your dancing shoes for this episode, and I'll be seeing you over long days and pleasant nights. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host for today. No, not Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman, but Michael Moonwalker Rothman. Uh, Why? Because today we're heading to the spooky sprawl of Normal Valley, where a mob of angry villagers are out for blood. The maestro's blood. Who's the maestro? Well, if you couldn't gather from my totally obvious nickname earlier, uh, said maestro is Michael Jackson. You know, the king of pop, the most awarded awarded artist in the history of music, one of the best-selling artists of all time, the Jackson 5, Ben, (laughs) off the wall, thriller, bad, dangerous, Moonwalker the movie, Moonwalker the game. I could keep going for probably a year uh, based on his accomplishments. Um, now you're probably wondering, whoa, Mike, hold up. This is a Stephen King podcast, not a Michael Jackson podcast. And look, you'd be right, but you'd also be dead wrong because wouldn't you know it that the King of Pop once visited King's Dominion or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. We'll decide today because we're talking about Stephen King and Michael Jackson's 1996 or 1993, or 1994, 1995, 19, let's just go with 1996, Collaboration Ghosts. <laughs> and, and joining me at the Maestro's creaky, dusty mansion are two fellow losers who I hope to God brought their dancing shoes for this. Uh, coming in all the way from Hotlanta, who's this speed demon? This is Dan Dirty Diana Caffrey. <laughs> oh! <laughs> ah, that was good. Could you said dirty nice. Diana? I almost well, I, I'm not gonna spoil it. I I almost wanted to just use a sound that Michael Jackson makes over and over in this video as my nickname, but um, I'm not gonna that, do that. You could have, <laughs> you really could have, honestly. Um, that's the 30 times I think he he does in this video. We'll get to that in, yeah. in a little bit. Um, we're not alone. Twirling in from Chicago and hopefully not burning any disco out. Who's bad? Yeah. 
Hey, hey, it's Aisha. It gave you the right Gatson. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, well, let's just kick this off. I mean, what are your earliest memories with Michael Jackson? Let's start with you, Aisha. Uh, so let's see. Michael Jackson, I was probably uh, when I first kind of like consciously understood who he was, was like five or six years old, which was around 92, 93. So that was I grew up listening to like Off the Wall and every, and Thriller and everything pretty much late or 80s after. Um, so if you ask me anything about like Ben, I have no idea anything <laughs> he did in between the Jackson five and uh, off the wall. Honestly, but, I put Ben in there just because I was like, ah, it just feels unfair to go from Jackson five to off the wall. And uh, he has like two others. <laughs> I went to look at his discography just to like kind of get an idea of timeline. And I was like, I'm sorry, he did like three albums. Yeah, it's wild. It, it was when he was a little kid, right? There Wasn't there yep. one called like Music and Me or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, innocent, they were yeah. like sort of one offs or threes. Yeah, it's like first debut is pretty much like covers for the most part, which is kind of very Beatles-esque of him to to do that, you know. Can we even um, count those as albums then? But Yeah, they're still part of his filmography or filmography, his his uh his uh, like his discography. Um God, it's been so long since yeah, I talked about it. It's music. weird exactly. That's a hard word. Obviously his career with the Jackson Five is very prominent. But yeah, for me for me, my fandom of him really starts with off the wall. You know, like I feel like everything before that is is almost like another life. Yeah, yeah. Well, is that where you started, Dan, for your... For your no, I had a very strange start to Michael Jackson. So I remember sitting around with my extended family watching VH1 and Weird Al Yankovic's video for uh, Fat mm. came on. And I thought that was Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because, yeah, like a, a fat white guy. Um, because my, I, I'm sure my parents referenced, oh, he's parroting Michael Jackson. I heard the name Michael Jackson for, for, for a couple of years. That's what I thought. And I got really confused once I learned who he was. My, I think the first time being kind of fascinated by him came with um, going to Epcot Center when I was about four or five and seeing Captain EO and seeing it in 3D. Yeah. Um, I did not know that existed, Captain EO. It's, it's really cool. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it holds up now. I feel like his movies are all a little, little silly, but um, it, I loved it as a five-year-old and it was 3D. And w- what's the, um, Mike, you might know, who's the little winged creature, the sidekick he has with him? He looks like a gremlin a little bit. Oh God, he does look Fuzzball. a lot like. Yeah, I think it's Fuzzball because he looks a lot like Salacious Crumb almost, or it kind of has does, a Salacious yeah. Crumb. I, I remember because I was—I think that was probably the first 3D thing I saw. So I remember sitting in the theater in Epcot, and there's a part where Fuzzball flies in the air and kind of waves at you. And I remember as a five-year-old being like, "Oh my God, he's waving at me! This is crazy." <laughs> um, but <laughs> honestly, beyond that, though, it didn't really lead to any kind of obsession with Michael Jackson's music. I think by the time I was old enough to really get into it you know, it was during the black or white period and history and all that. And so he was kind of, and I guess ghosts. And so he was kind of getting into more controversial territory. And as I got older, I really, really started to love off the wall and thriller and bad and all those albums. And I, I gained a greater respect for him, but I feel like I didn't, I wasn't quite enamored with him because I had this weird, weird owl entry <laughs> to him. <laughs> and then you know, by the time I was old enough to start getting into music on my own, he was kind of embroiled in controversy and, you know, the wacko Jacko period and all that, which um, maybe isn't fair because I mean, his other music is so incredible and I, I really do love it, but I, I don't think I, I got into like Michael Jackson worship or anything in, in the way maybe some other kids did because I was a little bit late blooming with his music. Would you yeah, say it's interesting? Yeah. Never, Aisha, were you going to, were you going to, did that carry on? Were you, would you say you worship Michael Jackson? Uh, I never worshiped him. I'll say that his music was very much a part of like my growing up 
experience, like mm-hmm. in terms of like my dad staying home and like cleaning, he would have like his vinyls on. And so that's how I like got introduced to like bad and all and thriller. So, and then, you know, growing up in the nineties, you had music videos from like VH1 mm-hmm. and um, MTV. So like I grew up seeing remember the time and oh, like yeah. seeing Eddie Murphy and that. So like visually as an artist, like I knew who he was, I knew he was very famous and I knew he made made a lot of music that I loved, um, but I never worshipped him to that certain point. And I think there's a certain part in my, as I got into my teens, I got very much into like metal and grunge and like uh, a bunch of other music and rock. So I kind of like petered away from that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't think I didn't realize he didn't really make music for a while between like eighty was 82 to 87 and between 87 and what 91 was the next time he made an album I yeah, think it was which feels weird because he seems so ubiquitous now you know it feels <laughs> it, it's easy to forget that there are those gaps for yeah. it so yeah I don't know and then when he I, I remember him looking pale and like wondering and the whole like I remember him as a public figure but I never was like oh my god if I saw him like I wouldn't scream I'd just be like oh cool so I met Michael Jackson if I if that ever happened <laughs> yeah it's my, it's weird for me because yeah because you're kind of you're like a big fan right my, I'm a die yeah I was I was like di- born with him basically I mean literally I mean my mom always tells the story how like I was in the womb when she saw the Thriller tour and um, she's like well that's probably why you like him so much and oh she saw him she actually got to see yeah him well. she got to see you were him jamming live. in the belly I was just like sitting there just being like man the girl is mine this is a really good song I don't know why everyone kind of writes it off but um, no no I I I, I just uh, it's weird because like. I've it's just was always there like he was just like you know this is music it's like the Beatles the Rolling Stones Michael Jackson and for me I think because he aligned with so much of the pop culture of the 80s and 90s which is something that we'll discuss in in this episode he was so ubiquitous that way like for me it was like everything I loved about pop culture like it just made sense that Michael Jackson was there because he just aligned with that and you know I mean like I we're going to talk about how obviously this ghost is a throwback to thriller and what thriller was so big for a lot of people was that it was a gateway to horror you know and and for me i think thriller was a big gateway into horror for me into the spooky stuff and i just love the the left of the dial things and he seemed to entertain that and you know it even goes beyond that i mean i i mean i had all the albums on cassette my dad had the 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 thriller slash beaded jacket that i would wear um, I, I mean, Dangerous was the first album that I actually bought with my own money that I remember going to Peaches, uh, w- by myself and getting it. And I remember my dad like scolding me because he was like, you know, you should have just gotten the single if you like those two songs. And I was like, no, I need the full album, dad. I need the full album. Um, album it was like guy, a, dad. it was a big deal. And yeah, it, it, yeah. What, what was really hard for me was that I just, I didn't really watch the news a lot as a kid. I just really was so zoned out on my own things. Like I had just a lot of weird shit happening at home. So like for me, pop culture was always the thing I escaped to. So I never really watched the news. And so like, it really was like, it just went over my head when all the, you know, like the allegations and all this other stuff started happening. And to so much to the point that like, and this is so embarrassing, but like we used to have this uh, annual um, talent show or maybe it wasn't annual. It was like biannual, but we used to have a biannual talent show at my elementary school and I went to, I was like the only Jewish kid at a a Christian Episcopalian school. So already kind of on the outskirts there. And then when we did the the talent show, not knowing any of the context of what was going on, it was like 93 probably. 
and I tried out to do uh, Remember the Time, like as like a lip sync dance thing, like basically a stupid one man show thing. And I just remember being like laughed out and like all my friends were just like, why would you do that? And and then I found out like all the stuff and I was just like, it was kind of a weird rude awakening because he was so big, you know, like I remember when black and white, you know, premiered on Fox and, and, and ABC yeah. and everywhere. And it was like the event. It's really so it was, hard. It was hard. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, go, um, for it, go for it. To kind of reconcile because I do understand, like even now you'll spout off like titles of songs. And I was like just jamming to it because like, you can't get to a point if you like live through the eighties to the nineties and we're old enough to like be conscious about it. You cannot get away from like Michael Jackson and like the influence that it, he has in like our music, our, our style, a lot of things. And so when I, when the first allegations came out, I was too young to really understand it all. So I just kind of like was still jamming along, still listening to Michael Jackson. And it wasn't until like the second set was like 2000, early yeah. 2000s. Yep when I was actually old enough to understand. And even then it was really hard Mm -hmm. to be like, Oh, I can't listen to like, I could separate the music or I had to look to separate music. Cause I was like, I can't not sing it. Like it's literally ingrained into my system. Exactly. um, And I enjoy it. So it's really hard. Like R Kelly was a whole different thing. I didn't really like Mm -hmm. a lot of R Kelly music. So it was easy to just be like, I'm done. But with Michael Jackson, it's just like so ingrained in us. Yeah. Yeah. When it's tough too, because, and you know, I, I, not that I'm going to get into you know, innocence, guilt, whatever, but I mean, I mean, a couple weeks ago, right? Like he, he was, he was like acquitted again of all this. And so, but, but even regardless of any innocence or guilt or whatever, it, it was all so folded in into the art he was doing at the time, which makes this tough because he did become, as we'll talk about when we get into ghosts in a little bit. He, it was like his art suddenly became obsessed with like saving children and all mm-hmm. and like heal the world and free willing and all this. So it's interesting because I feel like regardless of, of one's personal beliefs about whether he's guilty, innocent, et cetera, it, it's kind of, I was actually going, Oh, you know what? We get into the episode. Maybe we don't have to go into that so much. Then I watch ghost. I'm like, well, nope, we do because it's impossible. Yeah. So much about <laughs> you have to, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's tough. And yeah, his art really pivoted in, in a weird way during, during that time, even if there hadn't been a scandal, I think that would have felt weird. Like, oh, he's just really into like, hanging out with kids and doing these all these songs about saving children and all this yeah it was just kind of strange well it's just so strange because like i mean now in in this you know in this era of cancel culture that we that we live in like you know artists like you know vanish almost overnight sometimes you know and that's just how the media works at this point but that wasn't the case with him and i think Aisha, you, you you hit it right the nail right on the head because it's it really was impossible to take it out you know take to take him out of pop culture i mean he had been in every facet and influenced so much of it down to the the tenets of pop modern pop itself that i mean it was just so hard and and, and like and for me it was because of that it was easy growing up to like kind of just to, like to remove myself from that you know like or remove that whole controversy away from the music up, and up. yeah until it became until it got bad you know yeah. <laughs> and even it's it's there's a part of me that still loves him because he, what I think a lot of us loved about what his music was. And he, when I think about like growing up and seeing Missy Elliott or Timberland and like other artists at that time, like kind of extending outside of like what was the norm for pop culture and like mm-hmm. experimenting with the different genres in their music and um, kind of making music videos. Like, cause I think this was the longest music recorded as the longest music video ever. Yeah. I don't know if it still holds the title. 
Yeah, I think uh, Pharrell finally beat it with Happy, which I didn't realize really? Happy has oh, a really? thirty-minute video. Is that I mean, that she, long? Jeez. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, I was like, I was like, does Happy really necessitate like a? Is it, maybe it's the minions running around everywhere because I think it was for that movie, but like, couldn't believe out of all the songs, like that was the video that that did it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it just he, I even now I had to take a break from listening to him, but even now I still just like am there's a childlike wonder and fascination. And I think it's this weird thing where we're both drawn to him because he brings out that side and like a lot of his creativity and the things that he did, even though we like kind of make fun of it in popular culture now to an extent, we were fascinated by it. We were drawn to it. It allowed us to expand upon like what we could or couldn't do. He was like this magical being that in some ways we made, we put him on this high pedestal and I can't remember what article I read when they were talking about him when I was uh, in my teens, but how he spent his entire life living in this magical, unreal world from childhood to now. And he never really had the life that most people have. And so it's this weird thing where it's like, I love him and I can't not love Michael Jackson, but if he did do it or whatever your beliefs are, um, I have to like put it in a box. A hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, it's no secret. I, you know, used to run a music site, um, in a, in a music editorial. And a lot of us was just, you know, a lot of that is just making lists, figuring out who's the best, who's the greatest at, you know, ad nauseum. And I got to say, I mean, it was a lot of, it was a lot of times it was just me, you know, because I'm a, you know, a huge fan, but I also understand just like what his influence was on, on music that I would always bring him up. And I was like, you know, look, Michael Jackson, you can't, you cannot have this conversation without talking about Michael Jackson. And personally speaking, like in, in, you know, controversial take or not, I, I still think he's the greatest artist of all time. I just, I do. I think he's bigger than the Beatles. I think he's bigger, certainly bigger than Elvis, who's the the quote unquote king of rock. And when you think about just his influence everywhere, like, I mean, he is the most important artist of all time. I mean, he's a voice that has, he's fucking united everyone. And it's not hyperbole. Like, I mean. of all levels can create something that's amazing or also still be also have this terrible side to them. And it doesn't excuse that side, but like, we can't deny, like, it's like H.P. Lovecraft. Yep. He is a terrible person. And yet there are certain things that have hold that are important to our creative culture with writing and, and creating movies and music and things like that now. So like, we can't deny that it exists and there was something beneficial. I don't want to say beneficial, but something that helped to navigate or mold or change or evolve our culture, but they also are human beings. So they also can be terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to dismiss like historical context, you know, like you just can't, I mean, it's, and and especially somebody like Jackson who, where the, you know, the proof is in the numbers, you know, I mean, it's, it's wild to think that not only is he the, the, the best-selling artist of all time, but like, then he also has the album with like the most number of hits on it too. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, he hits every damn record. And when you look at that, from a statistical standpoint, like that does speak to a larger truth, you know? And, and I think that's, you know, so that's, I think that's proper context to go into talking about the 30 minute short ghosts, um, which I gotta be honest as, as, as much of a super fan as I am of Michael Jackson, this is admittedly a blind spot. Um, I, I did not see it when it premiered. 
Um, I don't think I even saw it. I, I mean, I knew about it. I knew that Stephen King was tied to it. I knew that there was a, that, that project, but I didn't see Thinner in theaters. I didn't attend the Ken Festival in 1997, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I didn't buy it when it was on the VHS or Laserdisc. So I really didn't see this until YouTube when it first dropped. And at that point, it was really the music video that I watched. I certainly didn't sit through the 33-minute version that we watched and re- reviewed for this episode. What about you, um, Dan? Did you see it back then? Did you see it recently? No, or, I had. I knew what it was, and I'd heard about it mainly because Stephen King had talked about it. I remember when mm-hmm. Michael Jackson died, uh, Stephen King wrote an essay about working with him in Entertainment Weekly, and I think actually spoke very eloquently to the complications of Michael Jackson and what it was like working with him. Um, he talks about a lot of what we talked about already, just this, this sort of being fascinated by this childlike wonder, but that also made it frustrating to work with him. And he said a lot of the time it was hard to communicate with Michael Jackson because like Aisha was saying, he just had this life that was so different from the rest of us, even different from other famous people like Stephen King, I think. Um, so I knew what it was contextually, just being a horror fan. But I, yeah, I never watched it. I honestly, I had never really sought it. I never sought it out until we we were supposed to watch it for this uh, this episode. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I sat through that whole thirty three minutes that could have easily been ten minutes, probably maybe even yeah. shorter than ten minutes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. What, uh, what about you, Aisha? Uh, I also ha- I don't remember have any recollection of seeing it or it dropping or anything. I think around that time was at 96 is when it actually yeah. came out. Uh, I was doing a lot of uh, sports and stuff, so I was never home. Uh, so honestly, I didn't see this video until I, I off this and 30. Well, did you all watch the extended after part where they show you like behind the scenes? Oh, no. I, I, yeah, because then I they added that, that also because that was apparently a best selling also. Oh man, I should have. I, I I saw one that was forty minutes, so I, I'm assuming that's what that was then. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was all right. I mean, it just gives it, like all the prosthetic, and he played like five different characters. Yeah. And when you see kind of the amount of prosthetics that go into it, you're just kind of like, the, a part of me is like, yes, he is that. What's the word I'm trying to look for? To to want to have to be all that and do all that, and he's like, I am going to be each of these main characters instead mm-hmm. of having like body doubles or someone to come in and like he each he sat for each of those characters and then the production i was like yeah this really could have been much shorter but interesting one thing you sent us dan earlier where he's where king was talking about working with him and he said the script they wanted it to be like scary mm-hmm. uh this definitely reminded me of more of like the cheesy goosebumps yeah. like it can have little scary points but uh it overall like was more corny than anything yeah yeah, yeah. Goosebumps and i, is and a I have a lot of thoughts on it. goosebumps for sure <laughs> but before before we get to the goosebumps before we get to arl stein before we get to the all that 90s goodness i think i think we need to we need, i think we need to discuss this in a section that uh oh wait a second i have this big book right here it's covered in cobwebs let me clear it off oh history Slash ghosts. (laughs) 
All right, well, in this section, uh, we have three sections here in this special episode dedicated to Michael Jackson's ghosts. Uh, in this first section, History Ghosts, we're going to talk about the background of the production, the crew involved, and pretty much all the themes uh, that are wired into the story. Because, look, it, the, the story is really what we're here for because that's what you know is attached to Stephen King. But um, because we're all fans of Michael Jackson, um, we got to talk about you know the other things too. But let's 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 go down to the 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 the, the, the details behind Ghosts. Um, released on October twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six, uh, which is the same time that Thinner, Stephen King's Thinner, Richard Bachman technically, Thinner. Um, Thinner. That came out in theaters, and then they also played the music video with it. So hey, if you saw Thinner in theaters, which you probably were. One of a few thousand. Uh, I think most of us saw it on, on video. Well, guess what? You got to see ghosts in, in theaters. You're probably sitting there being like, hey, uh, what the, what, what's Michael Jackson up to these days? This is th- like thriller. Um, finally made its UK debut uh, a, a year later, uh, or not a year later, half a year later of May at uh, the Odeon in Leicester Square. Um, it was screened out of competition, the full-length version, which we, we talked to, which we're going to be talking about and we watched, uh, at uh, the Ken Film Festival, which I, I would have loved to have seen the reaction when this movie like Did it dropped. get like a 20-minute standing ovation? <laughs> I doubt it. I have to doubt it. I'm sorry, Stan Winston. I know that you've passed, but uh, I doubt that your the 32-minute version of this got a standing ovation. Maybe you got I'm a sure. slow clap. Yeah, it was probably like, oh, that was, a, that was good. Okay, yeah, let's stick to the effects. Um, and then the five-minute version which is clearly the superior version of this, um, eventually started airing because the single actually didn't come out until the summer of 97. So, you know, fans of Michael really, you know, diehard fans of Michael in the 90s, uh, I guess I failed the the Michael fan base because I didn't watch it at this time, but they got a, they got a glimpse of this song um, because they don't really play the full thing. It's pretty much like snippets in the full length version, but anyway. Um, and then it was eventually released on Laserdisc, uh, which dates this, and then VHS, which dates this, and then Video CD, which also dates this. Um, but let's go back to the very beginning uh, because production on this goes way, way, way beyond uh, 1996. It was actually goes back to 93 uh, when King was working on The Stand with McGarris, uh, the 1994 miniseries, and uh, he was actually and Mick Garris was actually originally set to direct this uh, when it was called "Is It Scary?" Um, and Garris, as Michael F- Jackson fans and Mick Garris fans will know, uh, he played a zombie in Thriller, so there's some connective tissue there already. Um, and then the film was originally supposed to be a tie-in to Adam's Family Values, and look, it says on trivia and Wikipedia that there are contract disputes that stopped it from going through. But look, I got to imagine it was definitely the allegations that were popping up in 93. There's no fucking way that like Paramount Pictures was like, yeah, you know, let's get Michael Jackson's ghost after the, in the wake of all these allegations tied to our family friendly horror comedy. Like there's no way. Was it going to take but, place in the world? Cause I read that too, but I was kind of confused on what the time would have been. Was it just going to take place in that universe? I guess it was supposed to be like, because I, I mean, if you think about it, like Arsenio or uh, no, it was um, MC Hammer. Oh, okay. MC Hammer had done um, the theme song for the first Adams Family. The Adam, so oh, yeah, he did sense. the Adams Rapper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it would make sense that they he would continue. Yeah. Well, that's so, clever I mean, and diabolical at the same time. Right. So, like, I mean, I imagine Ghost would have played it like the on the credits or something like that. Um, you know. Anyway. But that didn't happen. So instead, they. <laughs> they posted. Like, I like, like how King said that he couldn't remember why he was like we were gonna do yeah. it, and then someone told me why, but I kind of forgot. And I was like, hmm. seems a little convenient, right? Like <laughs> you forgot, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I felt I felt like it had to have been that. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I imagine they were if they if they had filmed this, and the film came out in ni- late ninety three. I imagine they would have had to have filmed it in like ninety two. So if the allegations come out in ninety three. Maybe that's when things fall apart, and that's why they had the footage all ready to go. I mean, it, the the timeline does sync up. So, um, anyway, Garris at that point couldn't direct it, so it went to the makeup and special effects uh, guru that was behind the scenes, Stan Winston, um, who I think you probably love his movies, Caffrey, because he's only done two. He did Pumpkinhead <laughs> and a gnome, gnome named Norm. Norm. I I lo- I adore Pumpkinhead. I think it's a perfect horror movie. Yeah. Gnome named Norm. We, I, I've never watched the whole thing. Uh, we went. On, I went on a little bit of a binge watching scenes from it a, a couple months ago because we were all texting about it. And the effects of Gnome named Norm look really cool, but it's he's just this gross little horny gnome though. It's kind of disgusting. Like, and they show him they show him naked in the yeah. movie. And um, I remember Randall on the text thread was like, "Oh wow, look at Norm's tight little ass," because they they, just show, <laughs> they show this like close up of this gnome butt. Um, and he keeps talking about women's breasts and so anyway, so I love Pumpkinhead. I, I I will say I love the effects for a gnome named Norm. I've not yeah, watched the say, thing yet. I think it's on Tubi or something. If anyone wants, now to I check have it out. to find this. You should look. look makes... I, yeah, you should look up gnome named Norm butt, um, and <laughs> you'll, you'll probably find it. So I'd say maybe his pinnacle as a director was definitely Pumpkinhead. You know, absolutely um, great, great movie. Ironically, which he didn't do the effects for his protégés, all all did that. Yeah, because I think we joked recently on the text thread that he was probably like not up to standard. Like he was probably like uh, you know <laughs> the JK standard, but S T A N S T A N. Yeah, you know like the his standard, standard. The standard. Yeah, exactly. Well, that standard is one hell of a standard because he's pioneered the effects for some of the greatest movies of all time that are built on effects, like you know the Terminator series, the first three Jurassic Park. Uh, which aliens, well, I think, too. Aliens, he did aliens. Yeah, oh, I love the aliens. The predators. The fact that he did alien and predator is pretty fucking astounding. Um, yeah. you know, and then he also did Iron Man, uh, which I believe might have oh. been one of his last things that he did, um, because he passed away. So, um, Academy Award winner, but not for directing. And, um, you know, this was actually his last uh directorial effort. So, hey, um, you know, my hat's off to you. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Winston, hell of a career. Um, so Garris says this was the most expensive music video ever made at 15 million, which I don't know if that's true because I, I thought Scream at the time that came off of history. Was didn't, wait, did Scream come out? Or maybe they meant like, because Scream came out in uh, 95. 95. Maybe then, they were, but they looks like they were doing production earlier. And yeah, stopped, right? yeah. It's so either way, because, Jackson I mean, seemingly has the, the the ode to like, or the nod to basically have the most expensive music video because it could if just it's be not the length screen. too. Like, I mean, yeah. if it was on film. Film costs a lot of money, and this is, I mean, this is over a half hour. But it's weird though because Thriller actually feels more expensive to this than this movie does to me. Um, not because the effects are bad necessarily, but it's all just in this <laughs> this like ballroom, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he saved money sense. by doing all the roles. He might have. He's like, Mike, you know, you don't have to do this. We got, you know, we can go, you know, put a casting sheet out there. And he's like, Can I just say one thing for production? I was watching when they do, because there's that scene with the skeleton. And so they were doing the green screen with it. And Mm -hmm. he, instead of wearing like a full body black suit or like cover, like most people would just wear like the, it covers the head. He wore his signature hat covered in light bulbs. Oh gosh. I mean, that's kind of, of cool course. though. I got, <laughs> but it's totally my, like when I saw it, I was like, that's yeah. Yeah. I expect nothing less from Michael Jackson. 
know what's so funny have you ever that, seen oh go for it go for well it. no i didn't know so i didn't know that he was the mayor the the villain the wait really <laughs> no you look at him that pops up i'm like, like, like yeah until exactly he started it's once nice. he started dancing i'm like oh wait oh that and then i looked at his eyes i'm like okay that's michael yeah. jackson then i looked it up but i felt i felt like he fooled me because i really didn't know until he well, started it's, like, it's, it's weird because he definitely knowing that it was him it spoiled me the fact that i, I figured the mayor is eventually going to start dancing because like why else would he play this role you mm-hmm. know anyway we'll go into that in a second but um uh, the, the the music video won the Bob Fosse Award for Best Choreography, which makes sense. Choreography is great. Probably one of the, the, the big positives of this. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about just where we were at this point, you know, and why this music video for Jackson. You know, um, I think when we talk about like Stephen King and Jackson, Michael Jackson, I think there's a lot of crossover there. Um, just in the sense, like I had mentioned earlier that like thriller was a huge gateway for horror for me. And I don't think I'm alone in saying that. I think a lot of people that, you know, pop music is huge when you're a kid, just because it's everywhere. Right. And you're listening to whatever your parents are listening to. And most of the time your parents are listening to whatever is ubiquitous at the moment, because they don't have really time to listen to fucking pop anything else anyway for music discovery. So they're just listening to what's on the radio. So for me, I'd like to actually say that thriller was a huge gateway for horror for me. And the same way that Stephen King was a huge gateway for horror because he's so mainstream and so big out there during the eighties. So I think it made sense that they would eventually work together, especially when you consider the fact that Michael Jackson pretty much set the template for a pop star in the sense that he was just going to work with the best, of the best, right? Like we've, we had a, you know, Caffrey, we were texting earlier and I, I did a you know laundry list of people that he had worked with you know, Toto, Martin Scorsese. I love that I led with Toto. Like, what, like out of all the fucking people he had that he worked with, I led with Toto. Anyway, um, Martin Scorsese, you know, he worked with Slash. He worked with Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Francis um, Ford Coppola. I mean, even the video for Liberian Girl alone is just uh, a who's who of the of 80s. Yeah, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. I, I mean, feel so- like everyone wanted to be in his music videos during that period of time. Like, if you made it into a mm-hmm. Michael Jackson uh, video, like... That was a gold ticket. Oh yeah. Well, and yeah. it's it's really sad too, though, because with as many people as he worked with, and, and it did seem like all these celebrities loved him. He's on record saying that I don't think he had a lot of close friends. Like, and that's that's a really yeah. sad to me. Yeah. Just this idea that oh, he's got Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola and Whoopi Goldberg and John Travolta. Who I mean, take your pick. And you're like, how many of them actually knew him? Um, I and I, like I don't the, blame the celebrities. Like this- it's, it's, like the se- it's like the season six opener for Entourage when Vince like comes home and he's just like got no one there because all of his like buddies are out. And it's like, well, I can't even imagine what it would be like trying to like establish a connection with him. Yeah. You know, as an adult, especially. Yeah. I mean, just I, I think that's what's lost when when there's the discourse around like, you know, who he was as a person, because I, I really just don't think he was able to operate. Yeah. Like, no. King talks in that essay. King, I mean, King talks about getting that phone call on the set of The Stand and how he was down to do it because it's Michael Jackson. Why wouldn't you? And how Michael kept calling Tabit, his wife Tabitha King, for Stephen King's oh, yeah. number, but he but he couldn't. He he was like calling her from inside his house and didn't have a pen, so he tried to write the number in the carpet and then started crying he because cried. he. It's like so sad. Like you're just like, oh, this yeah. guy. I don't for as prodigiously talented as he was, I don't, I don't know if he knew how to quite function as a, as just an ordinary adult. Um, yeah. I mean, reading that essay, I, I was very moved by that. Just that, like you said, Mike, I mean, 
there are lots of obviously problematic things to talk about with Michael Jackson, but there is also this thing of, uh, yeah, just, I, I think he had a really hard time communicating with people as, and it got harder as life went on. I think that's the case with a lot of geniuses though. I mean, cause like mm. you read stories about how like, you know, Einstein couldn't even like fucking shit uh, with, you know, like he would shit his pants or something like that. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. I'm wrong with that. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe I read that somewhere look wrong. That up. <laughs> I probably should look that up, but I remember. <laughs> well, it's like, especially as them being young too into it. Cause I remember not that I'm a Bieber fan, but I remember someone or reading an article where someone said that like just a doctor had told Justin Bieber that because his uh he had like established fame so early in life he like hit a certain level of endorphins or something like that where like he could never reach that level again so he could never be as happy as he was in that point of his teens like he just oh, can't God. reach that right that's and like, i was like that's so sad and it it's like a heroin addict or something like it's uh because that, that's what they talk about with heroin addicts is that like it's that, that the reason why you're addicted is that you're always chasing that first hit yeah because it's supposed to be like euphoric to the, like, you know, the nth degree, but it's never the same after that. So it's like the addiction is the fact that you just keep chasing it and chasing it, chasing it, which might actually explain stardom, to be honest with you. I, uh, <laughs> I can't find anything about Einstein having a hard time right. shooting. So maybe I'm but, wrong but about him shooting his pants. <laughs> he, did, he, he, did, the, later, he did come up in an article from Cracked that six famous geniuses you didn't know were perverts. And I didn't know Einstein was a oh, pervert. So I'll, I'll read that later. But uh, no, anyway, no. Continue. send me that too. Yeah, here, I'll, 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 send it, I'll, I'll send it over email to t <laughs> Well, while you're looking up, you know, the scatological uh, ties to geniuses <laughs> out there, um, let's talk about the era of horror, because if we're going to trace this all the way back to 1993, which was when this project was initially conceived, this is like peak era for kids horror. I mean, you get like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? That's haunting Nickelodeon. Eerie Indiana that had its one season run, which is kind of sad because Joe Dante's involved in that one. It's an incredible show. Love that show. Loved yeah. It. Um, you get Ghost Rider, which was big. Um, and then, like, you know, R.L. Stein starts his run of go- Goosebumps, which, I mean, we all pretty much remember. I mean, we all remember Goosebumps, right? Like, I mean, I do you remember the Scholastic catalogs you get in your school and you just be like, oh, yeah. And you have to pick out which books you want. I miss the Scholastic book fairs. So Me lie. too. Oh, my God. That was like the thing I would look oh, forward to best. so much. And like, especially when you come back from like, I don't know, like, Spanish class or recess, thing. and you'd have like the the books sitting on your desks. It was like the best thing. Oh man, uh, Allison Shoemaker, obviously a longtime listener, will uh, remember as a, as a loser. Uh, she had a tweet the other day saying, "Oh, what if we had like this classic book fair, but just for adults at a bar?" And I'm like, "That's oh, I've fucking seen awesome. that. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be it, was, amazing. It, was, it was great. Yeah, no, yeah, I was a huge Goosebumps head. Um, I, I read all of them up to a point. I mean, I think mm. around. Uh, I think the Abominable Snowman of Pasadena was probably around when I fell off. Uh, not because I think it was Monster bad. Blood Two was when I was like, I'm oh, I don't remember the exact. Oh, that one's good. Monster Blood Two is where the hamster gets really big. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Yeah, but yeah, a huge goosebumps head. But there is something very. It, um, I was watching uh, catch up on Joe Bob on Shutter, and I think it was Eli Roth who we had on was was talking about the idea of PG horror, like mo- yeah. like horror movies and horror books that are, that are specifically geared towards kids, but are, are also trying to be really scary too. Yeah. You know, goosebumps. Um, I think he talked about that movie, the house with the clock in the walls. And yeah, I think that was very, would you guys say that this is probably the heyday of that, of, of that sort of PG 100%. horror? Oh yeah. The nineties was, that was all I watched and I loved horror movies and things like that. But my parents were always like, you're too young. So like, are you afraid of the dark was like my bigger fix because it was a little more, uh, darker than I would say Goosebumps was. Yeah, that was definitely uh, scarier, especially the TV show version of, of Goosebumps well, too. Well, the thing that sucks about Are You Afraid of the Dark is that like they 
pretty much hit the watermark like in the second episode of Zebo, and then the rest of them are just like kind of like uh, you know like oh the ghost wants to be our friend it's like oh that's not scary yeah they got i think they were trying to like soften it up for people because yeah. it was like yeah. supposed to be on nickelodeon yeah i'll never He's- forget when Zebo when that Zebo episode premiered and i was just like mom wake up like, <laughs> Zebo is the clown one right yeah or, yeah that was freaking me out. yeah What's, it's funny too because yeah goosebumps Early on, I mean, the ghost next door, in my opinion, I mean, it kind of predates the sixth sense with the ending and welcome to dead house and monster. I mean, a lot of them were I loved the ones that were actually supernatural and actually dark, but then it did start to do the thing later on where it was like, oh no, it was just a big misunderstanding. It was just the, you know, oh, the, the werewolf was just my dog or something. Actually, come to think about it, like Goosebumps commits the same sin as Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because Welcome to Dead House is the scariest book of the whole series. Oh, yeah, and it's the first one. It's so scary. It's very dark. It's terrifying. Ending, but, and and the, the, he started, Arl Stein started to do the thing, too, where a chapter would end, like, oh, I'm a scaly hand uh, grabbed me by the shoulder. Oh, I turned around. It was just my dad. He was painting, yeah. and his hand was all wet. <laughs> just, like, everything is okay. Nothing's, exactly. Nothing's wrong. Actually, no. it was funny. Is in preparation for this. Uh, I started watching some old Goosebumps episodes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> exactly. And I watched the one where uh, the mask. I think oh, the haunted mask. Oh, haunted yeah. mask. Yeah, yeah. The haunted mask. And uh, I was like, wow. That one was actually, I would think if I was younger, I would be like kind of creeped out by it. Uh, but it was so like watching it now, even so I was like, wow, we watched a lot of things that like, if they could have taken it any certain route and it would have been like terrifying, but like watching them manipulated to tone it down for children. It's interesting to see how we play with like fear within the context of like what's appropriate for children. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, cause I'm guessing they don't hold up so well anymore. Right. The, the goosebumps yeah. episodes. Yeah. Some of them. I mean, I feel like there's some episodes of both are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps that like, if they, updated with like effects now the actual storyline could hold true and i think even with ghosts if they decided to update that with a little less corny oh yeah mouth of it, oh. it might be, you could have the option of it being a little creepy because there's the i don't want to get into that too early but there are certain effects where i was like it had the potential to be creepy yeah the special wonder, effects are actually pretty good i, I think right well hey he said it was supposed to be really scary right yeah i mean well that, that that's the thing that's that's the that's the weird medium that he has to kind of tread here, which is why I actually think the parties that are involved are perfect for this. Because like, all right, so if you're if 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 Michael Jackson, and this is going to open up a kind of can of worms that we can talk about throughout this episode, but if Michael Jackson was trying to capitalize on on scaring kids, which maybe not a great PR move at that point, but um, you know if if that's what he was his idea was that he was like, all right, well if PG horror is huge right now, which it was, and it it only like excelled over the years. And especially by October 96, when this finally dropped, like that is pretty much like the, the peak apex part of PG horror, because you get like, because by then goosebumps is actually a fucking TV show. And then X files is in like the third season, which is where it's probably at its most popular where kids that were growing up with are you afraid of the dark were graduating into that yeah and then like at that point all the stephen king miniseries were the rage so like it makes sense that jackson who who's literally at that point 15 16 years into being able to work with whoever the fuck he wants to and he did 
I mean, look, you look at Dangerous, and that is a perfect encapsulation of just like the pop star, the modern pop star that we have today, where it's like, all right, well, Macaulay Culkin's huge, a blockbuster star. I'm going to have him be in black and white, the video, and also in the, the song. And then I'm going to have Jam with, with Michael Jordan, who's literally the closest person that could possibly rival me with the most ubiquitous person in the world. And then on top of that, I want to continue to keep working with the hotshot directors. Oh, yeah, Eddie Murphy coming off of, you know, Beverly Hill Cop 2. Like, let's get him in the fucking, like, like video. Oh, Magic Johnson, who's the biggest, like, you know, like, basketball star. Look, we need him also, too, in, like, a corollary role. Like, he literally would just work with the most up-and-coming, like, but the hottest people out there. So it kind of makes sense that he's continuing that trend with ghosts, but my problem with it and this is a question I want to ask you, is that doesn't this feel less like him like hitting the pulse and and more like him kind of retreading back to like his heyday with Thriller? Like, because that's what I get when I watch this thing. I just feel like he's trying to kind of go back to his glory days, even though I know he's trying to capitalize on the trend of like the PG horror. I mean... Yeah, I mean, and it's weird too because he apparently told Stephen King when he started this, so I want to make the scariest thing possible, which obviously this isn't, right? Not and I actually do think Thriller is pretty scary, even still. I watch it every. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I, I think that it's actually really effective. But in weird, weirdly, in trying to ape Thriller's structure, you know, the whole even with the format and like the double twist ending and all that, and just having this thing where, oh, are there monsters? Are there not? Oh, there are, and they're going to do a dance sequence now. In doing that and then combining it with the weird pivot toward, oh, I'm just a friend of the children. I'm saving the children kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I I think it just, it feels like a watered down version of all this stuff that's good about Michael Jackson and then an amplification about all the stuff at the time that was troubling about Michael Jackson. Um, I mean, like, (laughs) even once again, regardless of of his innocence or his guilt, Mm -hmm. there's no denying that at the time he was going through probably the highest profile legal battle of his career. And it had to do with, with abusing children. Yes. So whether or not he's, even if he's completely innocent to make a, a short film, the most expensive music video ever, ever made apparently that's which where the conceit is, Oh, I've been doing magic tricks and scary things for the children. And yes. why didn't they keep it secret? And they told the adults right. and now the adults are to get me. I mean, it's, it's kind and of they literally have lines of like, you ruined us or you know, you know, like you shouldn't have told. Yeah. The like, one kid I mean, it is a fucking told. flex. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on when you just through that whole first five minutes too, of like, <laughs> I have to agree with Dan in the sense of like, I feel like he, or I think both of you said this, like he's capitalizing on the current trend and he knows that like Thriller made it work. But I feel like that he realized that, or I think in the, as the stuff is going on or maybe things were surfacing, he was like, okay, this is what I'll do. And no one could stop him from like doing this. He just kind of bulldozed forward. Maybe someone convinced him halfway through that like this really isn't like, what you want to be presenting because there's clear indications when I'm watching this, maybe in the, this might be my jaded mind now as an adult, like knowing what has happened since then. But like, even when he's talking about playing tricks and like having uh, or hang out with the, the kids and even the word usage he has, the mayor call him like weirdo, freaky boy, yeah. freak, freak boy. Like it was a little unnerving because it was like, it feels like these are all the things that people have been saying about you during these allegations. And you're just kind of throwing everything in our face about what's being said and highlighting exactly what is wrong or exactly what people are investigating. And 
I, I don't know if his plan was like, if I highlight and put a spotlight on this, maybe this will like answer everyone's questions. I know it's, it's very strange because look, I mean, the narrative of him being the outsider is nothing new. I mean, he's been doing this. I'm saying it presently, just as if I'm sitting there in 1996 when this is coming <laughs> out, but like he had been doing this for the beginning of his, like his, his, uh, his heyday for the most mm -hmm. part. I mean, it was always the idea that like what his imaginative ways, you know, were what was keeping from the norm of reality, you know, which is why he was so ubiquitous because like, you know, when you think about it, literally he's, he's, he's really talking a lot about race and like, but at the same time, he's, he's also talking about like, well, no, it's the magic of things. It's the the idea that like we we love to look at the you know the the the, the parts of life that people ignore, you know, and like that was kind of where he began, and that's where the seeds of his sort of in, imagination came from. <laughs> and I and I imagine that's kind of where he's still trying to operate from here. But like, oof, like read the room a little yeah. bit. Like it's a little odd, yeah. I have a question for y'all. Did you feel uncomfortable or like, not maybe not uncomfortable is that right word, but in points where he would be like impatient and, and almost angry in his, uh, yeah. his tone. Like there was a point where he's like, hello. And like, yes, really, yes. I, it made me feel weird and uncomfortable. Like I, I don't know how, quite how to feel about these responses by Michael Jackson. Well, the thing that bothered me the most about it is the martyrdom of it. You know, like mm -hmm. it's this idea that I get that you, I get the, I, I get the sense that like, like, cause like, if you look at like, leave me alone and this is like long before the allegations, like the video, the whole thing is about the, the press wanting to pry into his life, you know, like, oh, he mm -hmm. bought the bones, to the elephant man. And, you know, and, oh, he's dating Elizabeth Taylor. It's like, no, they're just friends. And so like, he hated the paparazzi, he hated the press. So, like, I mean, literally the video for Speed Demon is about him trying to evade the press and which is obviously what made it into Moonwalker. But like that mentality has always been there. So it's always been this sort of like, fuck, leave me alone. Like I am the king of pop, but like, can you give me my space? Can you give me my, my, my sense of being, my identity? The problem is that by the time he reaches that point, that sort of animosity that we would kind of rally around with him behind like be like yeah you know like leave him alone like fuck your the paparazzi blah, blah blah that sense of ambivalence seems wrong now like it's misconstrued yeah. and you know? i think it's just not a good look for someone who's currently going through all that mm -hmm. you know like yeah. once again but he may be completely innocent but even if even so it, it does feel like you're rubbing people's face in it a little bit mm -hmm. um yeah. And also too, I, I don't know, this is something I wondered, I couldn't really find a concrete answer um, in the production notes or in what Stephen King's had to say. I know Stephen King only contributed technically to the story, but he was supposed to write more of it, but then had to bow out because of other Which I'd love to know what his original intent was. That's why I was wondering too, because this to me feels so much like Michael Jackson. Wrote. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And I kept trying I to find it. Like, okay. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It has horror in it. And you know, Stephen King has had ghosts in his stuff and has had haunted houses, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Stephen King has used horror as a metaphor plenty of times. So maybe it's that, but it, it feels so uniquely Michael Jackson to me. And I kind of can't picture, I mean, Stephen King even said in his article, it's way different from what he wrote, but he didn't really go into detail. So yeah, yeah I didn't know if either of you had insight into that. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was almost as if it was just Michael had the original script and was just like, I don't like this, or I don't, this is too scary, but this is just scary. Or like he kind of went through and was like, this <laughs> yeah. is what I think King would do. Yep. And took it <laughs> oh, man. that route. 
I yeah, think that honestly sense. it was like a branding tactic, you know, and, and and we see it still even today where it's like, well, just the association is all I need, you know, I mean, fuck, that's what corporations do. I mean, they don't really give a shit. Like, you know, they'll hire someone, so-and-so to like do their thing just so they could use their name. But at the end of the day, behind the scenes, they're like, actually, uh, you know, well, we did, you know, uh, a bunch of uh, insider, you know, tests, and we kind of need to take, we need to take this out. We need to take that out. We need to take this, but we're going to still keep your name. And like, I, I kind of feel that that's what happened here because, and also <laughs> even beyond the idea that like, oh, Michael wedged his stories into this. Like if we look at the finished product and we like kind of sit there like, oh, what's King? What's Jackson? Like, what really is there anyway for King to put, you know? Cause like, yeah, it's so basic and bare bones that. I mean, the only thing I can think of is the beginning where it's more of a riff on classic universal monsters mm. like going to kill frankenstein but even then i mean jackson was kind of playing with 50s monster tropes with thriller oh yeah, with the, the, yeah. i was a teenage werewolf um but also that is interesting because you know the beginning of thriller is clearly a riff on i was a teenage werewolf which has a huge role in it right so, i mm-hmm. mean with, with uh the werewolf that uh, uh richie sees in the basement so maybe there was a shared interest. So I could maybe see the beginning, this kind of framing device once black and white and storming the monster's castle. That That is such a trope. And King is very educated on horror tropes and archetypes. If you read Dance Macabre, you discover that. And so I could see maybe how he, he maybe he presented the metaphor of, well, you know, Michael, if you want to make this thing about being an outcast, maybe it could be a, a Frankenstein riff or something. But once they get into the actual, uh, the actual castle, I mean, it really just does seem like, yeah, like one of you said, the martyrdom thing with Michael Jackson. That it it really does feel like the MJ show at that from that point on. Because like, I, I just can't. Because right. like, if you read that op-ed that King writes for Entertainment Weekly, like for when you know when he died, you do get the sense that King understood the point of view that Michael was operating on. Like he I mean, has I, that. I, yeah, I think King does. Yeah, he says he said. I mean, he. He, famous people are accused of things mm-hmm. all the time that they didn't do, and also they they've. I, I don't think King has at the level as Michael Jackson does, but I think if you're that level of famous, I mean, yeah, if you can't walk into the park without being recognized or even just step outside your house without being recognized, of course, it's going to fuck you up in some kind of way and affect mm-hmm. you in some kind of way. And I, I do think King is, has, I, I like that article because he does seem to empathize with that side of Michael Jackson, which re, once again, regardless of the allegations, there's no denying that the dude had, has had a hard life. And from, a, mm-hmm. from the moment he was born pretty much too, you know, because he got famous at such a, a young age. Well, I, I think like the thing that King and Garris fit here is the fact that, um, you know, and we've been discussing this for the past years that like King had already kind of pivoted away from the sort of traditional horror into like more cerebral stuff. So at that point, you know, Jackson's not really interested in like the themes that he's tackling, like desperation regulators, you know, or like Gerald's game or misery and stuff like that. He's kind of like going for King for, you know, the movie monster type shit that was like defined King and which obviously King tried to distance himself away from after the eighties. But what I really get a sense is that like, there was an attraction to like what Garris was doing, you know, because when you think about Garris and we've talked multiple times about Mick Garris's style on this podcast, but what Garris does is he he finds a way that um, still tickles the macabre, but to the point where it's like it's okay to like play in the living room. You know, like mm-hmm. when you think about like Halloween, Safe right? Horror. 
Safe horror. Yeah. Like when you think of, you know, when it's spooky season, right? Like for the most part, you go into my apartment and I'm going to have like fucking shit playing from like, I'm going to have a gallo films or like gallo films <laughs> yeah, playing. Like it's like Beyond spring playing or something. It doesn't yeah. matter what time of the year, but for the most part, for the average person out there that maybe that says they like horror, but for the most part, it's, you know, around Halloween, you'll play the monsters, you'll play the Adams family, you'll play the stuff that you can put in the living room and still right. cook dinner the and cute, not have to worry about. Kinda. Exactly. And that's where Garris certainly thrives in you know like he wrote hocus pocus which i I love and like i I think he's a very i mean you know sleepwalkers is kind of kind of violent whatnot but i do what i like about a lot of his movies is that they have there's a lot of warmth there you know um even with the the stan miniseries i feel like there's a lot of warmth to that and that so that kind of makes sense to me yeah so i think what what that i think that's what really they bring to the table here do you all think Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you go for think it, go though for it, go for it. that like so if Stan Winston would have stayed with it or like was it working on uh the stand, do you think it would have taken a different kind of like Oh, look if Garrison or, who it, if Ed McGarris had like stayed on board with it and had the same yeah. Yeah. the same thing. Sorry, Ed yeah. Garrison. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question because part of me is like, oh, did Stan Winston was he, you know, was he just kind of hired to clean it up and make sure it because it there was such a gap between the production. So it was like was Stan Winston just finishing what McGarris started, or mm-hmm. or would it have been a completely different vision overall? I mean, I don't I don't know because all I feel like Stan Winston, Stephen King, and McGarris have so much crossover anyway. It's it's hard to tell. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? I, I mean, I think that honestly would have made a, a difference, you know. I, I think that. We just need to find out what King actually wrote. <laughs> yeah, I really think we do. I mean, I think a lot of it kind of stems from the fact that like this essentially just boils down to become a performance video, right? Like, I mean, there's nothing really to it other than, you know, and I'll talk about this in our next section, but like a bunch of townspeople guffawing like idiots for like 30 minutes, like, yeah. cause that's all it boils down to. It's like, you know, they walk in the mansion, the, the, the mayor says, all the exposition that's necessary to understand any of the themes that are going on. And then for the most part, it's just Michael Jackson doing his thing and everyone standing around and just being like, like, like Joe Latrulio and Red Hot American Summer. Just like, I can't believe he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. doing so, so basically like, it's just an allegory by Michael Jackson in the form of a ghost story. I think pretty so. much. I think like, cause I, I just can't think of anything here that King brings that, I would say, oh yeah, that's Kingian. I mean, I th- I think also, I know it's funny, Mike, because I, I, I no joke. If I'd known at the time, I kind of wish we had asked McGarris about this when he was on the podcast, because I'd, I'd be genuinely curious to get some specifics on this. I, I don't know, maybe one day if um, if he's on. Well, again, I mean, we but, could. Yeah. I mean, it's the 25th anniversary of this. Yeah. this year. So like there was an I there was an idea floating in my head where we're just gonna pair this with like an interview. Maybe we do something like that in October because that's what. Yeah, because it's like well, and, I mean, I feel like so many times when we when you interview directors and writers you love, you're it's almost hard to come up with questions because you mm-hmm. have such respect for their work. But this is like an uber specific question where I'm saying, man, what, yeah, I wonder what McGarris does have to say about that, especially this many years removed. Well, like Nathan Rabin has a really good article about this, like a really, really in-depth uh, rundown on AV Club. And, and and it really jives with a lot of like this stuff that I was thinking of while watching it. And there's a passage here that that really kind of hits home. Um, <laughs> uh, he writes, uh, though the screenplay is credited to Stan Winston and Mick Garris, who share story credits with Jackson and Stephen King, the film really seems to have been written by Jackson's wound, wounded inner child. Actually, everything in Jackson's career seems to have originated deep within his wounded inner child who called all the shots. The sad, self-destructed, confused adult couldn't complete. It was Jackson's blessing and curse to finally get revenge for childhood slights through adult self-mythologizing. 
It's all too easy to imagine the mayor's lines in the mouth of Jackson's older brothers or neighborhood bullies during his traumatic Jackson 5 days. And he's right. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking about while watching this. Is that, And that's why I think that it's the right sentiments wrong time that like he's not exactly rebelling against those that are going against the you know the allegations he's going against stuff that he's been going against for the last 20 years of his life you know if not more more than 20 years 30 years at that point um which only seems to prove the point even more that like he's always been this sort of like me against the world you know and which i think why like the allegations was kind of like a boiling point in a way because it's like because the allegations point. that was sort of the apex of oh he has the elephant man skeleton and all that mm-hmm. right like that all came at like he the whole wacko totally jacko thing that that, yeah. that had been going on for a little bit by the time the allegations like, happened just broke the camel's back because it was yeah. like all right well we've you know there's been a lot of stories that come out yeah you most of the time we're just like oh whatever but this was like all right well now it's kids that are coming out so it's like okay what's going on here you know um and again this isn't the only thing in the fabric of Michael Jackson's, you know, career where you go, ah, this probably isn't a good thing in a light. I mean, literally, I remember There's a Michael, lot of songs where you're like, oh. a lot of songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the whole like conceit of Moonwalker, the movie where he's yeah. like saving the kids and like the video game where I like, I remember when the video game came out and I fucking raced to get it. Cause I it was just like, oh, I got to get everything Michael Jackson. And, and also it just seemed cool. Like there was just an aesthetic to it that I was like, I fucking love this. But I remember when it came out, like video stores stopped carrying it. Um, you know, like my friend's parents, you know, who were fucking Uber Christian were just like, ah, you can't have this. And I just, you know, I'd be like, all right, I'll take it. And I, then I remember I, Moonwalker, even, even as a kid, I thought it was weird. Cause isn't there a scene where Joe Pesci has like a heroin needle to a girl's neck? And he's like, I'm going to get this kid it's high. Weird. And you're just like, yeah. what are you doing? This is kind of gross. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. You go back. I, I, I don't, I can't remember the whole thing. Yeah. I should definitely go and watch. I mean, unless <laughs> I remember watch it wrong. Gnomes butts and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Gnome named Norm. Oh, and, and, uh, Norm is G N O R M. Yeah, like no, yes. just just see so you know, they were getting in on the, the gnome puns before Nomeo and Juliet. But yeah, but, but yeah, I remember from what I remember, it's literally Joe Pesci at the end having some kid in a chokehold with a heroin needle to their neck and being like, "I'm gonna get this kid high," and you're just like, "Oh, it's like just very misguided." It feels also like. doesn't help that the video game you literally the whole mission is like finding kids in closets and don't they go, oh, Michael? Are we finding them in Neverland? That, that, oh, that's kind of what it, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of illusions and parallels to be made there, but um, yeah, anyway. Who was allowing him to make these decisions though? Cause it seems like he's almost outing himself like with a childlike mind, just like not realizing. I, I mean, I think again, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that like, it's just unchecked power. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, he had such charisma and was making such good music that I think yeah. people, I mean, cause once again, these are the, the art, especially the directors he's working with, these are discerning, very talented, um, for lack of a better word, auteurs, right? Like it's weird because I don't think they are people who were yes men and yes women, women in their own lives. But when it came to Michael Jackson, it was like, yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. There was an honor to like, even though you're like, Oh, he's a little bit weird, but like, if I don't work with him, I'm missing a a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and and then on his part, I think there's a big cognitive dissonance of like, what is normal? What's not, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, that's a whole of the discussion, but um, 
Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I think we've proved that we can talk the talk when it comes to Michael. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we have all the we have the knowledge between yeah. between the three of us for sure. But here's the thing. Can we walk the walk? And I think we should find out by stepping on the dance floor. But I hope we don't spill any blood on the dance floor. All right, so this is going to be just the discussion <laughs> of the film itself. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about the context that, that that go into the film, but like, what about the film itself? Like, we've already kind of teased on the <laughs> things that we don't like and we kind of like, but like, what do we, let's start with the positives. Like, what do we love about this music video? And I, I use love with quotes because I don't know if we could find anything that we truly love about this music video, but if we do, share them, go for it. Aisha, what, what, what do you, what, what did you find? What are some positives that you would take out of this? Um. So I don't, Okay, it, it, it hover, this one hovers on the line of positive because at the time you have Dante Bense, who was uh, yes. Bay or Mo Steph. And I, I love that he's in there, but I don't know if I love his character in there. Yeah. Uh, like, they made him extra whiny. Uh, he, he's just kind of scared of stuff. He's just, he, he's almost doing the shag. Yeah. The whole time. And so I like part of me is like, I think that's where I'm on the line with him because I'm like, if he's being that trope character, I guess, yes, I like it, but at the same time, it was a little much and distracting, but I love that he was in there regardless because I like him as the actor and I love the range of weird characters he's played before. He's, uh, he's one of the, I think, one of the best musician actors out there. And it's it's I funny agree. too, because I I looked it up because I'm like, that's kind of weird this part's so small, but I looked up and this was pre his solo career, pre Black Star, pre, you know, Bamboozled mm-hmm. or anything where he was really known as, as an actor. So it's interesting because I'm like, oh, this is kind of like a pre-famous most depth, but what a weird role that it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's to be fair, the townspeople, it's rough. I mean, well, yeah, they're not given a lot for sure. I have no. to say the townspeople, there was a diverse cast. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> they had true. a few people. Yeah. Uh, it's surprisingly diverse for that time. And also ahead of the curve on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish they got more than just like, all right, um, you're going to like basically treat your like, like, like responses like taffy. Like you're just going to fucking open your jaw as big as you can every five <gasps> seconds. And that's all you're taxed for. You, you know, we'll have some sandwiches in about an hour. Michael's ham it up. Out. Yeah. They just ham it up on the screen. Um, and, and I imagine like they didn't even see Michael for most of it. Cause they obviously aren't going to sit there the whole time when they're doing choreography. I was so thinking do, about like, that. And right? when he does the changes of, uh, of costuming, cause there's a lot of parts that he's in. So yeah, especially, well, although, Hey, but if he's playing that, the guy the whole time, then they got a lot, right? He, because he's playing the mayor the whole time. So what, I guess they were. 
they were with here's him. the thing, Caffrey. I know that you're you you were obsessed with uh, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff with like you know Michael Jackson with like you know the John Landis things and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know him doing him acting like a fucking idiot behind the scenes. But like um, you know he's playing cheeky jokes. I wouldn't be surprised if like he just dressed up as the mayor and didn't tell anyone. And like the whole time he's just like, yeah, I think it'd be funny if they, they just think it's know. somebody else. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, no joke. I could actually see that for real because right? it would get, well because he like he liked pranks, which was he did he loves pranks. which I I guess that's the whole point of this too. He's like, I just like pranks and I like and kids like pranks. So maybe that's why. I hate them. <laughs> yeah. No, this I whole know. thing is built on the fact that he likes like to the reaction of people like being scared or like you know well that's what's, i think that's it's funny because even even if he even if if we're to take him at his every word in the music video it's still kind of weird like wait so you just want to be able to do pranks and tricks with kids like with away from their parents that's weird you know like, right? he doesn't seem that you know interested in the fact that he like has to keep his you know his land and stay there he just wants to do tricks, which is fucking Don't we ridiculous. All, that's what we really just want in we life. Just, <laughs> we just want to do magic tricks and and, and scare people. So, in the plot, the, and I, I I use plot in quotations too. The whole point is he's they're gonna all try and out scare each other, right? Yeah, but that but doesn't, doesn't really happen. Like it's just him doing doing shit, right? Like they're exactly. Not, and then yeah, he offers weird. to leave anyway. Well, yeah, he doesn't like is. kind of he does it in this like passive aggressive way where he's yes. like being the martyr again, where he's just like, all right, you want me to go? You want me to go? Okay. One of okay. my notes was over dramatic much. Cause when he like smashes his hands into the ground yeah. and like yes. and smashes his face. And I was like, okay, chill, chill. Yeah. It's a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, and I think the thing that drives me, <laughs> I think I would like it more if, I mean, it's pretty telling that this was a blind spot for us. Cause like, I mean, for someone that, uh, you know, I grew up as a super fan, right? And like, so it is, I was thinking about it. I was like, why did I not see this? Like, why was this not in my radar? And I think a lot of it is because like during this era, this is arguably like the beginning of the end for him, really. Like, like he doesn't, not only is he recycling things with Thriller, but like he's, he's literally recycling sounds that he did on Dangerous. And that just was something he never did. You know, like every other album was an event because he had moved forward. He was like Bowie in that sense where like whatever next album he was going to have was going to be the next phase. Like that's it. He was going to start. And, and for him, what separated him from anyone else that had that next phase with the, the album album was that he was kind of setting trends. He was setting the watermark. And you kind of see that with Dangerous where, and especially with the, the, the clientele that he's working with at that point where he's like, all right, well... Yeah, he's a decade into this. He's kind of have to lean in more on like the Jordans and the Macaulay Culkins, but he's still pushing the envelope and he's still going forward. And, he, and look, to be fair, and I was saying this to my girlfriend before this, still one of the very few people that can make a PSA out of a song and still have it fucking rip. Because most of the time you listen to PSA songs and you're just like, fuck this. You, you're, this is corny as shit. I hate it. He's able to pull it off. But by 95, and this is after like Free Willy. This is after Heal the World. This is after all the allegations. 96, 95, 96 is when everything starts falling apart. Like, I remember buying history as a kid. And yeah. That was the last CD I bought. Do you it's, all it's say a, do you all say history or his story? His, his story. It's his story. It's, it's, it's a fucking story. mess. It's the it's the one time in this. There's one a lot era, of skipping in that. Uh, a lot of skipping, and a lot I, of the I reason like why I, it's sold is because it was a greatest hits package. I was going to say I feel like I know it more as a retrospective than I do because yeah. the second I think disc the is first all one was like the first disc was like all the yep. the, 
best of and then he did a few new ones on the the second disc well, the, yeah, no, this, it's a it's weird because it's like the second one is the new album and that's telling because it's like he's having to lean on history to kind of sell hits and i and i and i've always wondered and like obviously he doesn't do a lot of like he didn't do a lot of like in-depth interviews in this, this respect because he was so mysterious but like i always wonder if like was it because of the allegation or was it or was it because he was just running out of ideas you know because like i the think time it was he, a little bit of everything right? running out of the ideas the allegations the fact that he's been like pressure there's that pressure to like keep creating something new and like you know there's only so much you could do without either reaching a needing a break time and like kind of pulling yourself out to kind of refocus I think he was just like everything hit at once and you had the allegations on top of that and he's never really had an actual life because didn't he try to start a family in that time period too yeah he was was married to Lisa Lisa Marie Presley for like a year which seems stunt that seemed like a stunt too because it was like well hey I'm the king of pop with the king of rock's daughter yeah you know. And then he married some like anesthetic or and, I don't know how you say it. Yeah, it, 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 things get really weird and 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 crazy after that. But so. I I I mention all this because if these songs were great, we probably would be a little more favorable to this, right? Yeah, well, they're uh, not very memorable. I mean, I actually the last do... song is the only one that I actually remember. Mm-hmm. Is that the, is that the is it scary or is that there or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's the ghosts. last one's ghosts. The last one's ghosts. Ghost, yeah. ghost is it scary and too bad? And too bad. Too yeah. bad. Too yeah. Bad. I don't remember too bad, yeah, honestly. Me I mean, like, so who not... gave, like, I know Ghost, but I don't think I ever knew the name was called Ghost. I just remember hearing <laughs> yeah. the song. Well, it's and, and weird then, because the re- big the big song of Ghost is the remix that came out a year later. So, yeah. But even that, I don't know. They just don't have the hooks. For me. I mean, they're not egregious to me when watching the video. And I, and I mean, Stephen King says himself, like the guy can dance. I mean, I, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, even, even close to his, his death. I mean, his, his dancing oh, yeah. was kind of unparalleled. I mean, but you can, watch like it, this is it. And he's fucking killing Oh, It's it. amazing. Oh. Like he, like he, and, and, and I do like that here. And even though conjuring this ghost army feels a little bit like conjuring the zombie army and thriller. Well, I mean, there's even a guy rebu- with like a fucking red jacket. Yeah. Like, yeah he can, I mean, it's, but, but, but I did like watching them do their thing. Right. I mean, I, I definitely like that yeah. a lot more than watching the, town people fart around for 20 minutes or however long it was um and, and like i said the effects too i mean i actually i did even by today's yeah, standards they were great him stretching his face open and the, even even That's the CGI awesome. skeleton looks pretty good i was yeah. i was actually pre- and the the big um where he opens the door at the end and there he the, or the mayor opens the door and there's that big werewolf looking face I, th- I thought all that looked pretty good i'm not saying a lot of it made sense story-wise but i, d- I did right. enjoy looking at it at the very least didn't you oh, think yeah. of the transformers like excuse me when he opens up the door i <laughs> know i actually did like, it yeah. <laughs> i should though I, I totally should have excuse like, scared yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the part i laughed at the most and then we had the quintessential like outline through the, the window that i was like okay now you oh, yeah that yeah. was <laughs> It was a Such little weird. fucking Looney Tunes. Right? Well, it was great because there were points. Was it the where he's the mayor and he possesses? Like that was one of my highlights. Is when he possesses the mayor. Yeah. And yeah. does like the facial kind of melting and like who's yeah that the was weirdo cool. now. Oh yeah, that was that. actually kind of well. And then it, I did actually. That was like the one time where the themes of it started to get to me a little bit in a good way because mm-hmm. if you think about it, he's playing the mayor and then he's playing himself and then himself possesses the mayor who is supposed to be this critic of him. <laughs> and it's this weird thing of him 
almost calling himself a freak. You know what I mean? Well, that, and this On is where the fucking levels. metaphor goes off the rails. It goes <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> That's at least a little more fascinating than I don't. I don't know how aware everybody was. I'm like, oh, this is like three levels of meta here because it's him yeah, and him dressed up. Aware. It, 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 yeah, it's like it's Michael Jackson possessing Michael Jackson dressed as up as someone else. else. I mean, that that kind of He's works. Condemning Michael Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Like it's kind of fascinating. It doesn't like make up for the rest of it. But I'm like, oh, this is good. But, but once again, I don't know how, how aware he was about it or if it was just dream logic nonsense, you know? Um, well, the, the, the telling thing that I was looking at in some of the trivia is that like, some people are saying that like the mayor looks a lot like Tom Sneddon, who was the prosecutor in the 93 and then 2005. Oh, interesting. Hmm. If you Google them, they do look a little similar, but I do wonder like if filming took place before all that. I, I just don't know the yeah, dates lining of- up. It just, I feel it like seems... it started to, or but I don't know. So, but I do agree that now. like I, I did write a little like him. I mean, it's like an older dude with a mustache uh, kind of thing. It is a weird, vague metaphor. Yeah. Well, I, and I also couldn't... too, it when you, when you are talking about how, how he he martyrizes himself and he smashes himself, but then when they leave and he's he's alive anyway, like what does that mean? You know, like know. what is that? What does that him? say? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, he's indestructible. Well, and and to be honest, that is true. I mean, that's what we were talking about before. Like, I talking about cancel culture or whatever else. I don't think Michael Jackson will ever be canceled, even if some mountain of evidence comes out that he actually did these things. I, you know, I I don't think he is. You can't kill him. He is ubiquitous for for better or for worse. So maybe. But once again, how do you think he was aware of that, Aisha? Or do you think that was just him not like paying attention to the story? That's hard to say because I mean, if he was aware of that, like on what it's just it's a very complicated thing to think about because if he acted with other people so childlike but then of course people say that sometimes children understand things way better than Mm -hmm. adults because there's a lack of like a lot of the complications maybe he was subconsciously understanding like and wanting to do that role or was it just ego that he had to be every role that was like lead I I'm not quite sure the things that stuck out to me actually was basically the idea of and that I had an issue with or not issue with I couldn't decide if I had an issue with was that where he was basically like I'm not alone in my freakdom mm-hmm. you know I have a whole family there's a bunch of us here uh we're all there's all these freaks that you know we're out here we're doing our own thing and it's like you have this message of yeah like you know encouraging people to be yourself and that's a positive message, but then at the same time, is he trying to do that or is he trying to kind of um, exonerate himself from these like accusations of like, it's not, it's not weird for me to be with like, hang out with kids or like want to hang out with kids. There's a bunch of people like us, but then I'm thinking, well, a lot of people who hang out with kids like that tend to be pedophiles. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's so many things where it had double meanings or like he was just, you couldn't, I don't know if he was, clever enough to be like i'm gonna throw these these intricate meetings at you and you decide what's the correct answer yeah because I, th- I feel like he operates on a pretty pedantic level with his videos i mean because even down to like how the conflict is constructed because most of if not all his videos that deal with some sort of conflict never really detail specifically why anyone's fighting like why is beat it like and beat it why are they fighting other than the yeah, fact that like you know he wakes he he like wakes up in the middle of the night and he goes and fucking dances. And then these, these assholes in the street are like, you know, wanting to like cut him up. Like why? Because, and we only know why, because 
you know, they have a bunch of villains that are kind of like nodding and making like, you know, very physical, physically, you know, demeaning uh, tones and stuff like that. So like I, you look at this and it's the same way where it's like you have, but it's also a little more explicit because like literally the mayor is saying the most, One, is, and I think it's saying everything that's on his mind. I think know? it stands out in a bad way here because for several reasons. A, it's much longer than beat it or any or thriller, <laughs> any of these videos, yes. even, yeah. even then you rock my world. It is dealing with, I mean, once again, I mean, it's dealing with subject matter that for him is so audacious and so in your face and like, I can't believe he's going there. And then too, the songs just aren't memorable, right? I mean, no. beat it's like a fucking flawless a song. Thriller is yeah. a flawless song. Um, I would even argue, I mean, the You Rock My World video is ridiculous, but I love that song, you know, but yeah. these, the hooks just aren't here. So I think that's why the whole thing feels so indulgent. And once again, I mean, this is just so much longer than anything else he had, he had done prior. Well, before, the, the right? length the lack of hooks and the vagueness of the metaphor only allows for all the context that was surrounding it to be placed within, you know? Yeah. Like, because what are you going to do? Like, are you going to, Oh, okay. Well, when did this come out? Oh, okay. Let me wedge this in. <laughs> yeah. what, what do you, I mean, why not? I mean, it's literally just a landing strip for all that context. So I, I don't know. I think it works against it. I also don't think it helps that, um, there's they just don't really do anything with the runtime no it's just like, a lot like, i feel like it was just a, a long lead up to be able to show more dancing yeah maybe he was just relying on this to be a dance like i'm not gonna put any of my popular songs in here but i want to give like more um more notice to my other songs on the track so here let me do this and just dance around because everyone loves the dancing michael kind and of. then like What's the iconic dance here? Because like you look at back at all his dances and all his music videos, they all have signature flexes, right? So like, like the lean criminal, and the moonwalk, it's the lean, the, yeah, the thriller. And, and Billy Jean, it's the moonwalk, and like and also the light up, like you know, uh, right. the, the the light up tablets in the streets. Then you know you have Thriller, which is literally like the the whole zombie dance that has been mimicked to death beat it it's the the way that he you know he does the thing with like it's almost like him like a uh, rolling dice like smooth criminal is like the fight the you know dancing mm -hmm. is combat and, and also the lean when he's on the wires like, yeah oh yeah yeah it's from that too when, so like I, yeah what is this what is it what, what what would you take out of this i mean i remember him kind of like leaning over and making his limbs loose there were a lot of there was a lot of stomping yes i would say that yeah. they were stomping on the ceiling stomping on the columns stomping on the floor it's just yeah. weird. I mean, it, again, it just feels so recycled. Like you do well, wonder. Jackson, I got the spooky. I have Stephen King. That's all we need. I I almost wonder if I feel like he could have even kept the general uh, concept of the video. Just make it a normal music video in the vein of all the other ones we just listed. Mm -hmm. Leave the kid mm -hmm. thing out of it. Just make it. Oh, we're gonna go kill this freak, and then they see him there with a bunch of ghosts, and he dances, yes. and he defeats them, and they leave. Like that would have been fine, I think, and that actually yeah, maybe would have made okay honestly like more memorable skew the pg horror and go into horror i feel like it would be far more applicable to where he was at that time and also would have st stood the test of time a little bit more mm -hmm. you know but at the same time i think also it just would have felt redundant i mean i i just can't go back like thriller is so iconic that this feels this feels a lot like um i'm trying to think of like another artist that would do this like it would be like if the beatles got together in like the 90s like if you know john lennon didn't die you know um and they got together and they did another rooftop concert like wait what no you did that like why are you doing that again like that's this what he did here i dive onto a yeah <laughs> like there's a little more hey, man. it's a little longer it's a little <laughs> crazier now we have stadium seating that's built on the side of it I'll, so you could kind of see it like i'm sure this i'm sure this wasn't intentional but i mean in in, in a way he was kind of in in 
in line with the trends of future horror, right? Like with reboots and remakes and all, yeah, all that. I mean, he, no. maybe he was maybe he was actually really prescient and we're just not before his time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a platinum dunes before platinum dunes. <laughs> Maybe he is really the genius and we just did not get him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, you know? hey, you know, I will concede that he he was a genius for sure, but uh is ghost genius? I don't think so. Wait, can we <laughs> can we talk really quick just um about because this also does harken back to thriller, the weird double twist where like they have the one kid kid with the skeleton mask at the oh, end. Oh my god. Oh, I, yeah. And then they zoom in on the other kid. Like that's the end. It was, it was so weird. It was like this trying to just triple twist ending, like the devil's advocate or something. It was very strange. Cause it is trying to be like a thriller. Cause like, you know, when he, at the end of thriller, he turns around, he has the yellow eyes, which is still, I think is, I still think it's chilling. I I still get creeped out by it. And as a kid, it fucking terrified me. But with this, it's like, I feel like they're trying to do the same thing. Don't you know? Like it's like that freeze frame. Where it's like, ah, it's like like stupid kids though. You know? (laughs) <laughs> well yeah i can't stand this kid i i feel like i saw this kid in like six mcdonald's a, yeah. commercials like you know oh, i feel like Arch if maybe Deluxe. they would have showed something like actually showed something maybe it would have been a little bit better but it was just kind of like okay you've just like built us up for nothing and yeah. especially with the little kids sitting on top of each other and like they scare michael jackson i was like okay after you've turned into bones and ripped <laughs> off your skin and turned into a giant demon you're scared by like people obviously wearing your cloak and the thing you were wearing at the beginning of this video yeah <laughs> that is a, that's a good point because also and also why would the adults be scared at that point and like like no. what could that kid i mean what did that kid do did he turn into like the the dog from the fly too because that's the only thing i could think of that the one. dog from the fly too because <laughs> oh like he would have whatever that kid i mean that's maybe that's Mick Harris he too. Share. hey there's the connection right there oh um, yeah oh man it's yeah it's um yeah the ending is it was just i mean the ending was dumb the two kids scaring michael jackson was dumb like i just said and then the other kid on top you're like what and it was it was I, all, I refer- also i referenced to- julio with his reaction shots but it's literally yeah. just the same thing with like hey next time you're driving at the end like <laughs> yeah and then they laugh <laughs> it's the same thing like i was like when he picked up the kid too off the shoulder i was like no don't do that michael <laughs> I, i'm right <laughs> they could have cut that like i mean at that point 96 three years later you probably could have been like mm, let's lose this in post you know yeah. like i know they were just that's the thing i mean it was <laughs> Even even if they had kept like the general kids thing, yeah, they're just little things like like, like that moment, and then and then once again, the why did you tell? You know, you're just, it's just like, ugh. you know, you the, think they would know, scrap those things? You know, what this whole thing reminds me of like, did you ever, um, Kaffer, you you grew up in Florida, so you probably remember this, but like, did you ever go to the Universal Studios during like Halloween or October? Like they have the oh, yeah, they yeah. have this they have like the it used to be the Beetlejuice uh, spectacular show mm-hmm. or whatever but then it became like whatever was popular that year they just wedge into this dumb show it was the Bill and Ted show they do every yeah year, it was right? a Bill yeah. and Ted but, but that, it, always, it always implemented whatever pop culture was going on that year yeah and about ten minutes in you're kind of like all right I'm ready to go yeah we get it yeah yeah that's exactly. literally how I felt with this it was just like <laughs> yeah. such a snooze fest like I, I even like and then like like they 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 spend so much time. And it's telling that Stan Winston was the director because obviously Winston's just like all into effects. So he's like, oh, look what we can do as opposed to like, well, maybe you should just do it sparingly. Like you did it once. We don't need to spend there. Like we don't need to sit there for 45 seconds and watch people run up a pole up under the ceiling. Like it just doesn't, it's not that exciting. You know, like you did it once already. Maybe don't belabor the point. Like that, I felt like so much of this was just like- yeah. yeah like oh that's the connection with king because sometimes when i'm reading him i feel like he goes on forever and i could have just gotten from point a to point b yeah there you go 
Yeah, yeah we that's, always, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that is the most Kingian thing here is the fact that he just beats the horse. <laughs> what it, yeah, it is. He labored cause, a point. Yeah, because we talk. We talk. I, I think King King at his best writing is has perfect pacing and is it can be really succinct and everything. But then in in you know even by his own admission in his drug drugier years, especially like Tommy knockers and, and which are books I like to an extent, but also you're like, Oh my God, like this should have ended three sentences ago. Right. <laughs> like it just mm-hmm. he continued yeah. to go. Um, yeah. I would, uh, the only takeaway I would say that's a big positive here. Something actually King hits on in his op-ed is that there's a lot of conviction to, to Michael here in a, in a way that seems a little more personal than his other ones. Like, cause you look at his other videos in his heyday when, you know, he's blockbuster Michael, everyone loves him. He's got the world at his fingertips. Like there's a character there. Whereas like, I, I kind of felt there's like a personal touch to what he's saying, what he's doing, what he's exhibiting in this video. And King hits on that. He says, you know, in his op-ed in that 2009 uh, obituary, basically, he says, you also see King's, you also see Jackson's sadness an almost painful desire to please. Yes, I am strange, his eyes say, but I am doing the best I can. And I want to be, I want to make you happy. Is that so bad? And I 100% agree. Like you watch this and that is the one thing that I get out of Michael here is that like the statement he wants to make, he's trying to make it. Like, I don't know if he gets there. I don't know if he delivers it wholly, but like, you can tell he's trying to do it in a There's way like that- There's like a desperation I, to it. Yes. That, that's a perfect, yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's what I get out of it, but- I guess I'm not th- mad that I saw it, but I'm sad that I watched it twice. <laughs> you watched it twice? Well, because I I stopped paying attention during the stomping scene and I like, walked <laughs> away and missed a bunch so I had to come back and you're watch like, God it God damn it. And then this, Look, I'm you're just, not alone. I, I you're not alone? Coffee. You're I know you're not, not alone. Hey, alone. you are not alone. You're not alone. That's a I'm pretty good mic. That's a good, good mic. But uh, uh, hey, singing voice. Yeah. Decades of trying to, to pull him off at a talent show. Um, but uh, but <laughs> um <laughs> Let's leave. That's a great. That's a great seg uh, to our last question that we have to ask, which is: Is it scary? Is this scary? Now, in our last section, we're not just going to ask: Is it scary? We're going to give our final thoughts, and we're going to give our final thoughts in the the ranking of one to five. So oh, wait, we should talk. Um, we didn't talk about the uh, the. I mean, we referenced. Yeah, it a little he bit. did it a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does it a lot, and that's it, kind of like what takes up about at least five percent of the runtime here. What is that? Is that that's his way of, I guess, like summoning his powers in this, mm-hmm. right? I thought do, he was just expressing himself. Yeah, and- it's, <laughs> it's so weird too because I, I and once again, this goes back to okay, this is a guy who, with everything he did before this, really did create something iconic, right? Like Shimon, like you got like Shimon yeah. and you know, yeah. and the and the, the he. I can't do the, the he who is <laughs> like. He, when did he start doing the aos? Because I know it was before this, but like oh this oh so that was a so this wasn't the first time that we heard that. No, 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 no. I mean, he did it oh. earlier, but it's just, I think he like slid it in and we, he did it like once in the beginning. We're like, okay, whatever. Would, would you want to s- say it's during dangerous? Would you both say yeah. that? Because I think, I think you, you probably know a little bit more about like just his, his music than I do. Would you say that, 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 that I can't even do that. Ah, whatever it is. <laughs> would, would, you, would you say that 
that was recognized as being one of his fun vocal ad libs, like in, in the vein of Shimone or or he he or like, I think was I think it defines nineties Michael Jackson. Really, it's I, one of man, my lower favorites for him. Like, yeah, I it's definitely my least my that. least favorite of, well, of those. I really do think, and I would have to go back, and I'm sure like Michael Jackson fans that are part of our Patreon are gonna fucking kill me, but. I want to say it's it, it started in the black and white video because in the extended version version of that video, he goes and beats the shit out of a car. Yeah, yeah, and he does right. that. Right, he You're does totally it repeatedly right. throughout that whole thing, and then he becomes the jaguar and leaves. Uh, or maybe it's a panther. I think it's a panther. Because then I remember a bunch of people going through the street screaming like they're Michael Jackson <laughs> doing stuff, and there were kids in my school who do it. Oh I man, wanted. that would be the most <laughs> annoying mob ever. Just a bunch of people screaming. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but they have to dance around and shake their shoulders and like do a move. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. No, which is almost, really hard. Know what it almost sounds like? Yeah, um, I think it's the uh the the Howie scream, the Howie Long scream from Broken Arrow that they would always play Mountain Dew commercials. Like, yes. It's almost like that, but not but like not fully committing to it. <laughs> it's almost like yeah, the Wilhelm, the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, it's a, yeah, well, because the Wil- the Wilhelm is like the is like the high pitched, like um, like I, I can't I can't even do it. Closer to Michael Jackson's like um, you know, Michael Jackson's like, but but I but the, the Howie scream is the yes, yeah, is the, is the, the maybe that was his more guttural yell because the he he's more of like a you know, a light <laughs> like a giggle, it's like right? a lighthearted, cheeky tone, <laughs> it was a yeah. Giggle, and yeah. he was trying to be mean and tough. I like, I like Shimo, I, Shimone is like my favorite, Michael Jackson. I love, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Shimone. that was that's good. That was like Chris Tucker's favorite because, like, in the, mm. the, the Rock Your World, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're kidding. Yeah. He just keeps saying it over and over again. You could tell, like, Chris Tucker had been waiting his whole life to do yeah. that. Yeah, uh, you, you rock my we world. I mean, I, I really like that song, but he, but his, his, <laughs> pun, song in the beginning, rules. he was like, he's like, Michael, we need to go. This girl is bad. She's dangerous. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was for it. it. I was, you liked it. I mean, the, it's, I kind of so lame. I love that, that video I mean, is kind of cool. As, as the lost older. art of the seg is kind of gone. Like I can't think of like the last album that had that. Like maybe like the what was it? Grad like maybe like uh, college dropout or graduation had it. I feel. Oh, like. you mean with like with like sketches or interludes? Like talking seg, yeah, right. Mm. Like yeah, where they're no, like, I'm trying to think skit. of it. Not even a skit, really. Like it's part of yeah. the song, right? Like it leads into it. I don't know. Yeah. I've heard a few, but like I don't feel like people use it a lot. It's not yeah. very. It's probably like mid nineties and well, after. Weirdly enough, art. yeah, I, f- I feel like College Dropout and and you know Late Registration had it, and then Kanye made a very conscious at point not to do that in Graduation. I feel like that was mm-hmm. when rap started. Oh yeah, that is when Graduation trying, doesn't have it. I'm trying I to feel think. like Gym I mean, Class Heroes. I don't know if anyone else listened to them, but I did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, yeah, they had that live yeah. during. I'm trying a lot to of emo bands do it too. Yeah. They have I mean they do have um I mean I, I I actually like his later albums more than a lot of people do, but Eminem still does some sketches every but yeah, they're they're so doesn't. they're almost more just like voicemails or something. I mean, I guess like Kendrick does a little bit on Good Kid Mad mm-hmm. City, but they're not but that's different because that's like actually playing Ooh, into uh, a story that he's telling, you know. What is his name? D Smoke and Sir. Is it Sir? D Smoke does. And but I feel like now I'm getting into more like I hear a lot more rapper hip hop artists are doing, you know, have it's that like sketches. Option. Yeah, like, it's almost like a throwback kind of thing or something like that. Like a yeah. Mixtape kind of role. Yeah. yeah. I will I will say, like when I'm listening to like Michael Jackson on Spotify, which is frequent when I'm walking around, and that song like shuffles in, I'm like, all right, let's just kick for 15 seconds over. <laughs> like I don't need to walk around with fucking Chris Chalker and Michael Jackson talking about like chalking, you know, like oh wait, is th- is that on the album too? It's, it's on the song. Uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, I, I revisited today because like Justin wouldn't shut the fuck up about the song. And like um 
<laughs> he's like rock my world is the best song i was like yeah no I, I yeah it's a good one but i i i mean i still think unbreakable is a better song but um yeah, yeah, and, yeah and having that yeah that's the risk that's why you, that's why you, you can't just put like an album on shuffle right on spotify because then you get something like that and then I yeah know that was like on the actual 20 seconds like do they do they have uh, marlon brando in there doing the no thing? they don't have marlon brando which is great <laughs> which which to be fair is i think honestly one of the first times i i like bonded with justin was like us talking about that video i just actually insane it is like i actually remember that you're two egomaniacs in a fucking video together and it's wild i remember this i mean i I mean i'm going on a little bit of a tangent here so mac (laughs) and i were hanging out um the day we i think we're we're with me and susan and mac were hanging out like when we found out that michael jackson died like a bunch of us had gone to the the beach he may have been there there too it was like fourth not fourth of july but summer right sometime in the summer no and, i was i was actually with bill in la oh and that's was, right that's was, right they were doing preparations for his funeral and i was like thinking about staying because oh, i kind of wanted to try yeah, to go out there too um, but yeah. but so we were hanging out and we had found out and um you know, we we just started watching. I had never seen the Liberian mm-hmm. Girl music video, and Earth, it's funny. weird because I recognize how groundbreaking it was, but it's like so funny to watch with no context. You know, it's also and, the, the worst song off that album. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <gasps> Liberian Girl. I, Do you like Liberian Girl? That I that as a young kid, that was one of my favorite songs. Oh my god! Yeah. I think put together like musically, it has like a great flow. But that's just me as a dancer. I love the beat. I love the beat. I love the beat. It's it's the it's the vocal the the lyrics are a little like eh, come on. It's it's yeah. I, because- I didn't really listen to that. I don't. I was much more as a kid. I listened to a lot more of the the sound than the, oh, yeah. the lyrics than the lyrics. So- yeah. I think for me, because because I saw the video first before I knew that song well, and and the, the video is hilarious because you can't hear like any of the music really. No, just no, it's it's, it's just not a about star fucking. I know it's oh it's so funny. And once so so Mac and I watched that because he he was like you never seen Liberian Girl, so I and I felt bad because he had just died, so this maybe wasn't nice. But I was just like howling because I had never. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. And I didn't even. I had only met Justin. I think like once at this point, and just in college, really quick. And he was texting us. He's like, oh, you, he texted Mac. He's like, you guys need to watch You Rock My World video, which neither of us had seen. I don't even think we knew the song. And we were just like, our minds were blown. It was so funny. And I actually like that song quite a bit. But the, yeah, like you said, the video is just, once again, the dancing is awesome. I can even get behind the general story, but just watching Michael Jackson in this play, this kind of nonsensical, like uh, badass anti hero. And then watching Marlon Brando just like, fold paper bang, bang. cranes and and say bing bang and later like it, it's just it's so it's so bizarre but i and i yeah. i weirdly associate michael jackson's death the day of his death with what with being very confounded by this uh this video well, anyway. i've never been a person who saw michael jackson as like the hero though it was always no. awkward to watch him in those things yeah. like as a lead or like the love interest or whatever i was like okay michael but i still like the song so i'm just gonna visually take in the the video but I'm not yeah. truly sold that you're this character. Exactly. Was, and, and it was, the, it was almost like playing dress up because he did, because look, yeah. watching him live and just dance that, well, that's why the dancing was always so great in this video is because no, this, I believe like you're a badass when you do this, but when you're trying to do this like faux film noir dialogue, it's just not him. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, I couldn't pull that off either. Right. Like, it's, well, it's, I always looked at him as more as like a Woody Woodpecker. Like he's the troublemaker. Yeah. Right, he's a trickster. Like, like, a yeah, yeah. Like, like you think of Smooth Criminal. Like, there's no real reason why he has to be there, other than the fact that he's just gonna start shit. Like, <laughs> everyone's pretty much something. on the same side. Like, why the hell is he going in there and starting up trouble? Like, and the same thing with like Beat It. Like, you have a bunch of gang members that are outside. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you probably could just kept walking, but like, you know, you, you, you got to start something, you know, like, and that was great because it was like, well, fuck you. Like I'm going to do my thing. And if you have a problem with it, then you're just gonna have to deal with it. And that was what I loved about him. But like <laughs> for him to be the romanticist, like, no, I don't really, I don't see him as a romantic. That's why like the song, like girl is mine is a joke. It's like, sorry, Paul McCartney's going to win, Michael. He's yeah. Win. Yeah. <laughs> neither one of them but okay yeah yeah, like exactly yeah that's true like the way that like paul's talking in that song it's just like oh you know the the thing about this is that uh, michael i I love this girl like you know (laughs) two of them it's like it's like go get a room together like you guys are like clearly like you know in love with each other so it's so fun the the line i always laugh at in you rock my world is um it's when marlon brando and michael jackson confront each other at the end when the a nightclub is burning down and oh god it's michael so Jack- fucking miserable michael jackson just goes i knew it was you and then marlon brandis <laughs> goes later and like you're like, wait what like what yeah it makes sense no it's because you have two what, people that are per- you have two, it's, it's yeah, yeah, the joker batman what? situation where it's like you have two personalities <laughs> that are colliding and no one's gonna relent like <laughs> i i just don't even know like what i okay i get that marlon brando is a gangster and he owns a nightclub and i get the michael jackson chased a girl into the nightclub and is looking for but what it what's there like i knew it was you it's, it's always so funny to me because i you don't and you know they probably just came up with that on the spot and it only made sense to them so anyway. oh you know that michael marlon brando <laughs> came up with it when the camera was rolling <laughs> like i think this is gonna be the way that we do this power moves everywhere anyway yeah um, how, how, how many how many oh, having <laughs> said that yeah having said that <laughs> what is your final analysis of ghosts and on the ranking of one to five, oh, Aisha, uh, <laughs> kick us off. I I was like, you, you, you both are so much better at doing this. I had to pause. I have to pause every time I'm doing it because it's like you need, I don't know what fucking windpipes we had. Crack. Yeah. I kept <laughs> trying to, when we were emailing about this, I, I was trying to think of phonetically how to how to write it out. I feel like you both yeah. did. You did, you did oh, it I had to Google Aisha. it. I Googled it. Like, Oh, good. Because I was like, I'm glad you wrote it down because I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I would say overall, I'm going to give it a one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. I mean, you, have to, you have to do the, the number of hosts that you get. So <laughs> it was a hurtful a, and painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a painful one. What's crazy about Michael also is that like he actually sang while he danced. Like most pop stars lip sync, mm-hmm. you know, and you can hear them getting out of breath. Yeah. And he sang. Like you watch that, this is it, and he's still singing. Oh, I mean, he, doing re- I was reading rehearsal. about this today. You know, people thought that when they did the autopsy, that he was going to be really frail and that they were going to find all these health problems. And although he obviously had some addiction issues with uh, with medication, his body was actually in kind of prime condition for a fifty yeah. year old. Um, well, it, he it changed wasn't... his diet, and he was like a vegan. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, like he, I mean, he, and you watch this, this. This is it. Um, or, or wait, is it is this it or this is it? This, this is, is it. it. Is this it? Is the stroke? Stroke's I always get mixed up. So, when, yeah. when you when you watch that, I mean, there is no denying the dude's talent. I mean, he is a machine. Like, and I don't think anyone else on the planet could do it like he does. So, I mean, no, he's got the hipster incredible. body. Yeah. It's yeah. the peak hipster body. Like, fits in the skinny jeans. It is muscular. Can fucking kill it at the dance floor. He but can a wear concave big, chest. Yes, in the concave chest, which is. <laughs> something i've aspired to have for the rest of my, for, for my whole <laughs> life yeah because what i didn't mention also is that when i was at the talent shows doing these michael jackson dances i was about 30 pounds overweight for a kid so you're looking at this like you were saying that your first introduction was like weird al yankovic caffrey as like oh yeah oh yeah, yeah with the, with the fact, that was michael fact, jackson yeah yeah well that's not too far from like my talent show. <laughs> like, <tryouts. laughs> oh, like it's like no but seriously it was like 
Like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, trying to do Michael Jackson? Like, I couldn't pull off. Did you one. have a good red jacket, though, for this? Or? I did have the red jacket, so that worked out to a favor. But it was at it was, but at the same time, I was going to, like, a private school. So it was, like, a red dra- jacket over, like, these, like, tight uniform where my body was just, like, bursting from the seams out of. So it was just, like, I... Oh, childhood. Would probably go viral like the same like the kid with the the lightsaber thing. Oh <laughs> yeah, like it would literally go viral if this. Thank ever God we out, did not grow up now. Exactly. You know what I mean? uh, yeah, for well, yeah, just with the worst. But yeah, Caffrey, what about you? You know, I'll go. I'll be a little generous. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go ahead and give it. I can't do this. I'll, I'll give it two. Ah, oh, so go, oh, <laughs> sounds oh. like you're falling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I do, I love the effects. I, I always like seeing Stan. I mean, like I said, even in a gnome named Norm, I appreciate the effects. I, I always like seeing Stan Winston represented in some kind of way. I do think if it was short into being just that kind of middle section, it might be an okay video. And if they took out some of the kids stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't fault the direction. I think it's just all the writing on this, which seems to come mostly from Michael Jackson, not Stephen King and McGarris. And so I, you know, I think, I think if it were a lot shorter, I would enjoy this a lot more. But yeah, just the length and just the sort of audacity of his messaging in this is 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 where it get, it loses because this is out of five, right? Not out of out of four. Yeah, out of five. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, I'll stay. I'll stay with two. Ah, oh, for that. Yeah. But uh, what, what, <laughs> what about you, Mike? I mean, this is rough. I mean, because what I love about Michael Jackson was his ability to be singular. You know, like no matter what he aligned with, you know, who he aligned with or, you know, no matter whatever, whatever sound he was trying to tackle. And like Ghost is such a mixed bag, like even the songs, it's a total retread, like it, and it which felt like one of the like looking in hindsight, when you look at basically get to see his whole discography, it really is kind of a first for him. And so it's kind of fitting that this film is connected to history, which is the greatest hits collection, because this film feels like a medley of the past strengths except they all feel like glossed up weaknesses. Like I, I just, there's just yeah, nothing here. Sense. It's like, it's lifeless, you know, it's lifeless and it's not in a good way. You know, like it's, it's a haunted house with bad vibes. And like, I think it's all exacerbated, like I was saying by the context, like you cannot dismiss the context, like literally going into this episode, talking to Randall, he's like, yeah, we don't have to get into the weeds with all this stuff. It's hard not to. to. It's impossible. And yeah. like, I, I didn't know, think we, because I really didn't know the context of the video other than the Stephen King stuff. So when I watched, I was having the same thing, not, not because, just because it's been talked about to death, you know, and I don't think I have anything new to offer necessarily yeah, on, yeah. on the whole scandal. But then you watch it, you're like, no, we, okay, we have, we obviously yeah. have to touch on this. There's no <laughs> it's way. It's like happen. he wants you to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when when you have kids talking about like, why'd you say something to their parents? Like, that's a problem. Like, you gotta, you, you're gonna have to. The low key address. talk about child abuse too in a family or the cycle of child abuse with like the mom hitting the son. And then, yeah. Oh, right. You're right. <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot of themes going on in there. Like, he's yeah. saving kids again. Like if the label really did have some sort of discretion, like they clearly like were out that day when this when this the video went past <laughs> for approval. Yeah, it's Michael. Put it out there. Um, anyway, as a lifelong fan, I, I think it's a it's pretty telling that I, I hardly remember this. So for me, one. I'm with you. I, this is this is going to keep in the crypt. Yeah. I, I, we're going to stick on. <laughs> I couldn't three. give it the two. I wanted to try, but. It's hard. That's what I'm here for. I, I always go a, a half star or a star above where I should probably. Definitely for this one. So like, this is this is so like meh that like if I was to have like a Halloween party, like I used to have Halloween parties at my apartment. Great and Halloween parties. It was an annual annual it was fun thing to look forward to. Really good time. 
stuff 60 people in a basement apartment was great but like i would curate like music videos i don't think i'd put this on here i just don't Mm -hmm. that would take up half of your (laughs) yeah that's true wow this fucking video is still on like jesus christ yeah Um, just leave it to thriller yeah let's go to thriller that's fine and and it's telling because like this is just a really bad like era and it's it it, it, it's it's not like the songs are like awful because like i was listening to blood on the tracks today and like I was enjoying myself, like I was tapping my feet. Like, wait, was, wait, blood on the tracks or blood on the dance floor? Oh no, blood on the dance floor. No, I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, blood on the tracks is up. great. <laughs> no, no, blood on the dance floor. So it's, I was listening to that, and like collective wise, like it's not awful. It's just they're not great. It's not memorable, and like that's what you expect from Michael, and that's what's sad. Like I think that's the sad. That's the kind of you know the heavier is the head that wears the crown like that's kind of what you have as a pop star it's like when you're not able to be memorable anymore that's kind of like when things are starting the, the luster's losing it so like how do you know to back out before people realize that yeah you're... yeah probably should have been dangerous in hindsight you know maybe he comes back with uh with uh invincible in, in 2001 um also telling that that came out right around the 9-11 attacks but whatever um that's another discussion for another time but uh Look, this has been a lot of fun, but my allergies are flaring up. And it's probably because the maestro hasn't dusted this place in centuries. So I'm going to leap out of this window and run for the hills. But before I do, <laughs> uh, let's give our constant listeners an update on where we're all going next. Uh, Aisha, what's next for I'm Not a Peach Crayon? Oh, we are actually dropping an episode soon about uh, cosplay. Ooh. And then we'll be discussing the the anime that just got released yasuke yeah yeah is it good <sighs> it tries oh, no. to do it it's honestly visually musically it's great it's just it's i feel like it's one of those things where they weren't sure if they were going to be able to do another one so they tried to do a lot uh, and it gets a little like there's a lot of themes going on and you're like wait what but yeah. it like looks good and it sounds good it's yeah. just yeah the plots all over the place because i love flying lotus so i'm just but, like yeah exactly uh, so i mean we're gonna talk about that do black cosplay uh and yeah working on some stuff what is your go-to cosplay uh i haven't done it in a long time so i'm actually looking to get back into it the last time i did cosplay though i believe i was oh god a sailor scout yeah sailor pluto nice nice Nice. Yeah. I, uh, my, my, um, my ex-girlfriend was really big into it and she, sailor was like the, the area she'd always tackled too. Um, and then also I'm trying to think what was the, the other Rama one half was a big one also, um, in terms of anime, but yeah, I, I love cosplaying. Like I, I, I actually miss cons. Like I really yeah, miss cons same. right now. Like out of all the things that are like, you know, stowed away during this pandemic, like I've just been fucking jonesing to go to a con and hopefully we can go to one this year, but, um, well, cool, cool, cool. Caffrey, any chance you're going to be doing ghosts for Slay SMR? <laughs> no, no, I mean, Slay SMR, I feel like I've, I've been on not, not an official hiatus. I've just, um, uh, freelance stuff has picked up, which is great. Um, but I, I haven't had, I don't want to say I haven't had time as I have had time. I probably should have just used the time to do Slay SMR and not watch a million Batman the animated series episodes, but that's okay. But no, it wasn't once- an animated series though. I finished. I'm on Batman Beyond now. So, um, yeah, but so I, you're making, yeah, you're being productive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I don't think I'll be doing ghosts for uh, Slay SMR once I'm, once I'm back. Um, 
Uh, yeah. If, any, if uh, As far as what's going on, um, I play the Amphibians is a virtual reading through uh, University of Central Florida's Pegasus Play Lab on June 18th and June 19th. If uh, if you just Google, if you go to my website, it's on there, or if you could just Google Pegasus Play Lab, uh, it'll come up. But uh, yeah, it should be, should be a lot of fun. And then, hey, maybe we'll be nice. doing theater in person again soon. So we'll see. Well, let's hope. Let's, let's hope. I'm uh, ready to get out of my apartment. Same. Uh, I'm fucking losing my mind in here. Um, but the good news is that uh, it means that we're busy here at the Losers Club because uh, this month is busy. Uh, we're heading to the Dark Tower next week, uh, but not to Amazon's as we did earlier this month. Uh, we're going to be looking at Stephen King's Wizard and Glass, which is going to be a huge episode because... I mean, it's not a spoiler to say that, like, I think it's like a fan favorite within the series. Um, most people consider it the number one Dark Tower book. So, uh, Aisha, you're going to be on that episode, Sorry. right? Yes, I actually, I'm actually using it as my mic stand today. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a big book. It's a fucking big, big book. I, I think that took me like over a month to finish um, at the time when I was reading it. But um, great book. Great book. It's going to be probably a great app, which might actually span two episodes, come to think of it, because that's... I just can't imagine it being contained in one one episode. It's just, it's a big one. But right after that, we're going to pivot over from the Dark Tower to Lisey's story uh, because we are going to be covering the book and the series, which premieres on Apple TV Plus on June 4th. And, you know, this is dropping at the end of the month, so you've pretty much gotten all your tricks and treats uh, or your goodies here in the Barrens. But uh, we're going to have more coming up in June. Uh, some more commentaries, uh, lobstrosities on Sa- Return to Salem's Lot, which means I have to watch that movie again. God damn it. Um, you voted for it, so we're going to do it. So uh, June will be a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, we're going to have a lot of surprises uh, between now and then, including the big surprise that we keep teasing. Not ready yet. It's coming, though. And it's going to be fun. Uh, so, as always, keep your eyes on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's always can't stop till you get enough with this club which is why we are your favorite we are your devoted and we are your only losers club so until then we'll be seeing you over long days and pleasant nights nights. shimon i got some hot friends god i got some hot friends i got some hot friends god i got some hot This is the end of our show. For now. Tune in next week. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.